Welcome back to part two. I am your host, Elvis Dolinsky. I am here for the Wednesday Night Wars. Of course, with me, I have Desmond Dagenhart, the dynamic duo, are here today to sit there and recap this beautiful episode of AEW. Desmond, how you doing? Doing all right. It's been a while since you and I have run a show together. I believe the last time we spent the entire time ragging on Vinny. I think I think that's about right. I think we're in the same room over here, so that's absolutely true. But um, yeah, so I uh, just want to let you guys know this is the last show of the year, and actually the last show for the next couple months. Um, has Vinny gone over with you and let you know uh, what the next steps are for the Boochcast is? Or uh, I mean, I know we're doing some things for the Twitch. I'm definitely looking forward to the D and D game that was announced. Um, 
that much was announced. We're, uh, obviously, we were sitting back watching the... Uh, we're sitting back working on our characters a few minutes ago. Um, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to this because it's been a while since I have not been DM. This is my first time in a long time actually playing a character and, and only having to worry about my character. So you actually just relax and like not walk someone through and hold her hand pretty much. All right. As, as a DM, well, I'll be honest with you, as a DM, I'm not holding nobody's hand. Oh, really? Yeah, no, no. I, I, set, a, I set up a story... And if you don't react well to that story, your character just might die. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've done uh, two games um, where I went to one of John's little um, shindigs over there in Alfreda. Right. And uh, the first time I made a character, the second time I died. Um, so, <laughs> Sounds um, about right. So the first time I made my character, I had a pretty cool game. And then uh, I didn't sit like at the big kids table. I sat at the little kids table pretty much because, you know, those guys already had like leveled up characters. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we got with a smaller group. But they were cool, man. Uh, but the first time I made my character, I thought I, I felt pretty... Uh, Pretty tough, pretty cool, and then uh, went there the second time, and I made some boneheaded moves because I I still wasn't used to the whole premise. And after I died, I'm like, oh, I get it, I get it. Um, <laughs> it's it's one of those deals where now as a DM, I'm a little bit different than John. John's like, you come into my story, you're starting level one. That's not how I do things. If I'm if let's say I've, I've had a long time campaign going, and my characters are all level, let's say they're all level ten, I might start you at the at the at the worst at level eight. Okay. So you're not going to start level one while everyone else is level ten. It just seems pointless to me. You're not. It, it, it's. It seems like you're uh, too too apt to die. Exactly. In, in, in a high level campaign. It's like I roll a die just to like stand behind John. <laughs> right. It's like where's the nearest tank? Um, <laughs> I'll stay here and let you do all the damage. I'm gonna use my spade and I'm gonna sit here and dig myself a hole until you guys get done with this battle. <laughs> right. <laughs> like like can I roll for stealth? <laughs> Nat 20, I'm going to sit here and not do shit while they attack. <laughs> um, I'm going to roll my dice to become a cheerleader to give everybody inspiration. <laughs> well, as a bard, you could do that. <laughs> probably, probably. No, so we do have that D&D thing going on. we got some Twitch, we got some YouTube stuff going on. So we have a lot of things going on. Um, so although you won't be hearing our melodious voices every week and telling you about what's going on in the world of AEW. and You have to actually watch it yourselves. You actually get to watch it. You get to see all these... Uh, weirdos that get come together and we're gonna sit there roll some die and uh play a crazy game called D, &D which um in 2020 i think it's probably the best thing to do because um you know we can't really go and do much we're, no we're still congregating and meeting up but um it's pretty cool man like i never thought in um that we get this taken care of and that's gonna start in what 2020 uh, 2021 right yeah um we have we don't have an official start date yet uh, i was actually just talking to john about this um and he said we really got to get a date together to have what's called a zero session, which is when I've already got my character planned out. My character is built, except for one or two little things that I have to work with him on because it's not rules as written. Right. Um. I like. I want to have. I'm playing a wizard. I want to have a familiar. Okay. Um. And to have a familiar to start out with a familiar is not something that's normally as written. You have to get one in story, or you uh, or you have to summon one as a wizard. What's your wizard's name? Um, where's that sheet of paper at? Ah, uh, it's somewhere in here. Um, it's, I had it, here it is, right here. This is, uh, Delseren Alden. Alden, uh, Alden is a, uh, is a, uh, a high elf noble name. Uh, Delseren is just a name that I pulled, that I pulled out of my, that I pulled out of a uh, random name generator. I'm like, ooh, I like that. That sounded cool. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I created, I created my wizard, and this is, this is, he's gonna be pretty cool because, uh, you know, Elvis. I've told a little bit about this. He's gonna be. He's gonna have some necro necromancy powers, 
and necromancy generally is not looked up uh, is looked down upon it, people like oh necromancers are evil they're using death magic i'm like well yeah kind of sorta yeah but um he's my character's not evil but he he definitely has some he's learned some uh, necrotic magic and this is going to be really a, a fun character to play because he's going to be flirting with the edge of the good and the evil like he's going to be using what's supposed to be evil magic to do good things and the and drawing a line of what he should and shouldn't do. So you're kind of like, you're kind of like the Deadpool of the whole group, then. Pretty well, much. except except Deadpool doesn't have much of a conscience. My character has one. Gotcha. And th that's going to be the big difference. It's going to be a big moral thing. It's like, should I really be using this magic? And it it should be a fun. It'll be really um. It'll be fun to play. I've already talked to John about some character development and some stuff that I want to do with him. Yeah, I think I'm going to join the route of uh, either a paladin and then after speaking to you, maybe even a bard. Um, so I think paladin's kind of fun for me because it's got some spells. It's uh, a tank character as well, so you kind of got the best of both worlds. But then, like you said, the bard is kind of like a morphing position where you can sit under skills from other people and other places. Um, well, all not, not necessarily skills, but spells. But spells, spells, like, yeah. Like most characters, like a wizard, can only learn wizard spells. All right, um... A, a warlock can only learn warlock spells, but a bard, whereas generally he can only learn bard spells, at certain levels he gets the ability to learn spells from other classes. And that's something that's cool and very unique for a bard character. Um, and not to mention they've got such the, such the great ability of, uh, uh, of having an all-around high stats because they've got what's called uh, jack-of-all-trades, which gives them bonuses in pretty much anything that they're not already proficient in. Oh, wow. I don't know, man. I mean, it's going to be a toss-up. I'm going to do more research on it, though, by the time we have our zero day. But um, So we do have that. We got a lot of things coming on, on down, this, down the line. It's going to be pretty fun. Uh, so keep tuned. Make sure you follow us on all the social medias for the Boochcast, Desmond Dagenhart. Uh, don't follow me because I just don't want it. I mean, if, you, if you're my <laughs> friend, add me. If we are friends, you're not added. It's probably for a reason. <laughs> um, so let's just say that. Um, yeah, I'm be honest with you. I don't share a whole lot of stuff on my Twitter feed. No, I don't. I'm, I'm the most. I think I'm the boringest person. Unless you want to see pictures of me hanging out with my daughter or me doing something with my daughter or something like that. That's the only thing you're gonna see in my feed. You're not gonna sit there and see me promoting myself because I have no real talents, folks. Believe it or not, the only thing I do is play video games, watch movies, and make fun of us with real talent. Exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> it's the only way to do it. Um, you know, so that's what we have to do. But the thing is, like, yeah, I'm I'm boring online. Like, you'll never find. You'll never see a meme from me on there unless it's to to friends. I'll never post like one of those gifts on there. I'll never post like inspirational quotes that makes no fucking goddamn no sense at all. <laughs> like why? Like why? I'm not gonna be inspirational to you. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I'll be inspirational right now. Be good to yourselves and each other. That's all. If you guys can be good to yourselves and each other and call your friends from time to time for mental health issues, you'll be fine. Other than that though, don't expect to follow me because I'm not going to say anything that you don't already know. <laughs> Be good to each other. That's it. Watch wrestling and watch us play D&D. &D. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> but anyways, man, so um, that's we got that out of the way. We got the shameless plugs out of the way. I'm pretty sure there was some more. we'll do some more later on. But um, let's talk about this, man. So AEW. AEW. Wow. So we haven't talked. I've listened to the show. We got to listen. To, we got to see. I know he's one of my favorites fucking sting before we even get started with the show sting what are your thoughts i and i talked about this a little bit last week with Vinny, but i'm a little worried about sting right now because they're talking about making him a full-time um a full-time competitor like he's going to be on the show every week um 
and I'm kind of worried about a man his age running a full-time schedule. I think he's got the Undertaker complex typing away, you know, when he wants to sit there and, like, kind of wash away that stink that WWE left in his mouth, I guess, the way he kind of ended it and the way, it, like, you know, we had these dream matches between him and Taker and and some other people, and a match that he had with uh, Rollins wasn't exactly as quiet as he wanted to be. I kind of see your point about being worried, but he could be signed full-time, but doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be fighting all the time. Like, I could see him being, like, in a big six-man tag or something, or something where he comes and does an assist, or become a mentor or something, and fight from time to time. But no big spots. Not, not, you're not going to see a 30-minute match with Sting with anybody else. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, because I mean, Taker could pull, even, Taker can still pull off a 30-minute match. He can do it. And, but he has to have the right person the working right partner, with him. Exactly. And I think that's what we're going to need to see from Sting. Like, if you want to see a 30-minute match, I think he could do it with Darby Allen. And I think that's a big thing that I want to say here because he was uh, uh, on this particular night. He said something about, uh, "I feel something familiar," exactly. and he looks up at the he looks up at the uh, cr- at the uh, quote unquote crowd, and Darby Allen is sitting up in the uh, sitting up in the just like Sting used to sit up in the rafters. Right. Um, and it was a really cool concept here. Um, but yeah, this thing starts off, man. Of course, it's going to be in Jacksonville, Florida, at Daly's place. Always, man. Yeah, I want to go there, man. I, I really want to go. I know it's like the Jaguars' uh, practice field, but I want to go. I want to go to show. I mean, limited amount of space, limited amount of people being out there. I want to go. I mean, I went, I went to the AW show here in Atlanta, but I'd like to go there because it seems like it's really cool. It's got an open atmosphere. Um, it's got an open roof where you, you could be right. outside and watch the wrestling. Cause yeah. I would love to be there, and I, I, you, you assholes didn't fucking tell me you were going. Well, we, we, like AEW was like barely a thing, so we didn't know who watched and who didn't because it was still kind of <laughs> like a new concept to people. Like for me myself, I watch those indie guys, so Kenny and the Young Bucks. I watch Ring of Honor. I watch like New Japan. So all these people, I followed them before AEW was even a thing. So I remember telling um, Vinny for the longest time. You guys gotta watch these guys. These guys are gonna be something big, and then we start hearing buzz about it, and then he started making like um, some traction. I mean, at the time when we went to the show, I mean, how big is that Judas song from like uh, Chris Jericho? Everybody knows the lyrics, right? Oh yeah, Fozzie. But, but, but but the thing is, when we went there, nobody knew all the words to Chris Jericho's song. It was still like early, early, early when they first started the whole thing. So um, they piped them. I didn't pipe the music. They tried to like just try to sing like a hum along, but not everybody knew the songs. Um, so it was still too early. It's like saying, "Hey, do you want to go to NWA?" NWA has shows in Atlanta. They just started again. That's fr- that's well, that's wrestling we could watch every other week. Yeah, but I honestly don't have any interest in NWA because let's be honest, NWA, they they're quote unquote getting big. No, they're not. They're not. I, I they're so. not. Com- they're not really. They're, they're, not, gonna they're com- not competition. They're not gonna be competition. But I think the way um AW is open they, the they, floodgates. They, they might they might be competition to Ring of Honor. That and then. <laughs> I mean, it's true, but the thing is, like, I think with the landscape with, like, all these gates kind of coming down and everybody's kind of, um, you know, fluctuating from, you know, the partnership with Impact and NWA with um, AEW, now it looks like maybe even New Japan. So if we get all these com- the companies, now they may not be as big as the big monster, the cog machine that is WWE, but I would definitely say that if we start, the way you have ratings is you want to see next week what's going to happen next week. I remember that being so tr- um, tried and true when we had Austin and Rock, right? Yeah. Why do we Why do we tune in every freaking week for Stone Cold Steve Austin? What was going to happen next? And now we're in the same situation that if you watch AEW, who's going to be the next person who's going to be coming from NWA or New Japan or from Impact or for Ring of Honor? You don't know. And the great thing about AEW is they don't even have to sign people. No, no they Because they, they are working with these other companies and, and you know, even companies like Impact, which... Generally, Impact works with only their signed people. 
but they're working with Impact because they're well, they got they got a little con- they got a little uh, working partnership going on. Well, here. Impact has a, has a tendency to bring in Ring of Honor as well too, and as well as AAA. So they do have working relationships where you see people on both Ring of Honor and Impact. Um, you know, for you know for whatever stint of time. So it's like having all these open doors. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, what's it called? Triple H and Vince uh, Man. They're not. They're they. They're not worried. They should be. Well, here's the thing: is if and when Vince gets out of the way, Triple H will run things completely different. I mean, but the thing is, like, that's the logic that people are saying. But I mean, the thing is, Vince has got a tried and true method that's always working. Except it's not. It's like most of their money isn't coming from isn't coming from the the, the ticket sales anymore. It's all it's coming from all these other things that they're that they're selling. You know what I mean? Uh, the the issue here, WWE people, you got the people who are going to watch WWE regardless. Of course, they're uh, lifers. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, let's be honest. That's part. That's partly why I still watch a uh, WWE. I've been watching it since I was a little kid, and I fucking love it. Yeah, it's just one of those habit forming things. Right. That you know, for it, sure, Monday night. Okay, you got to watch. You yeah, know? it's like, and honestly, right now I'm enjoying SmackDown. I'm SmackDown's watching, way Sma- better. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fuck yeah. Uh, uh, you, I'm sitting here like, oh, we've got the only reason I watch Monday anymore is because the Fiend. I fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Fiend's been fantastic. I'm glad they're finally doing some justice with that character now because if we had to do another Bray Wyatt thing where like it just didn't work out. It's oh like, yeah, I was uh, dude, when, I, when when they had when they had um uh Gold, Goldberg beat the Fiend. I'm sitting here like, oh shit, that that's the end of the Fiend. That's the end of the Fiend. But it wasn't. They, it's like he took that one loss and then went right back to dominating. Yeah. And I am so glad that they did that because I was so worried that that was going to be the end of the Fiend. Because WWE, like you said, has a tried and true method. Your tried and true method usually means monsters lose once and it's over. Yeah, pretty much. And that's, that's, the, that's the stigma when it comes to big people. When I it mean, comes to only exceptions monsters. to that were like The Undertaker. <laughs> that's true. But um, let's, let's, uh, let's um, you know, take the bottle off this thing. Let's take the cap off this bottle and um, let's get this started. So... Big match. Now, title match, we have the Young Bucks versus the Hybrid, Jack Evans and Angelico. And what is the repercussions? So, if the Hybrid was to win, they'd get a title shot against the Young Bucks? Is that That's it. If the Hybrid 2 would win, this would be a setup for a title match. And the match itself was phenomenal. I love Jack Evans. Uh, and Angelico, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is a great tag team, a good combination of technical wrestling and high-flying ability. And... You combine that with the young bucks who are exciting, no matter who, you, no matter what Vinny says. And he's not uh, here to sit there, just like, oh my god, oh my god. But the young bucks are—I will say this—the young bucks are definitely toning down the super kicks a little bit since coming to AEW. It's not—it's not the same—the um, same style as they were doing in the indies. Uh, they are slowing it down and doing a little bit more of the regular style, which is cool. I love that. That does make things a little bit better. But they are bad about. Uh, but they're still bad about making them too dominant. Like this right here was a setup for a championship match with, in my opinion, probably the best, uh, the most versatile tag team in in the division right now. Well, uh, what a thing is like that kind of holds back the hybrid, and then the thing is like I love those guys. Yeah. I'm not gonna take anything away, but if you're gonna build them up to be such a prolific tag team, they, they should need put them to on li- TV more. They should not have only that, more. not only that, but they should have won this match. Yeah. This match, they should have won. They should have had a title title match. And if you wanted to have them lose the title match, have them lose the title match. But they need to uh, that win against the champions makes them a serious contender. And they and having them lose in this match or maybe to maybe me lose by disqualif- the- maybe have the young bucks win by disqualification or some kind of way where like it protects the hybrid to kind of build yeah. the story forward. But instead or, of like you know having or, yeah or have the, uh, have the young bucks cheat one way or another. 
or do something like that. But yeah. the thing is, like I gotta say, I do like the BTE trigger. Um, that, that I like that tag yeah. team move. Yeah, the uh, the du- the dual BTEs. That's fucking gorgeous. Um, but it, it's one. It, it's a move that really feels like it should put someone down. It does because don't get me wrong. The super kick's been like outdone by everybody. Like Dolph Ziggler uses. It. I mean, everybody uses it as a secondary. Like as, yeah, but Dolph Ziggler at least uses it as a finisher. Yeah, it's true. That, no, but like I mean, at the same time, everybody's using it. It, 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 got, it got played out for a bit, so now they got the BT trigger, which. Wow, by, by the way, it looks freaking amazing. It looks like it would... The way Angelico sold that, he sold it like death. Double, like he was double knees to the head at the same time. I mean, you're crushed between I mean, two knees. I mean, Angelico had his knees like kind of bent in, and he was just like on he his back. He just dropped. And then yeah. you see him as like, man, that is an awkward way to be in. And like, he just laid there. He didn't move. He's like, nope, I'm he, corpse. I'm selling this shit out of this one. Uh, once again, why, the, uh, why uh, TH2 deserves to be... Fucking in the championship. And you watched Lucha Underground, right? And you saw. Um, I, I watched a little bit here and there. Okay. Um, I, I I never I never finished the whole series. Like I think they have it on Pluto TV or one of those free uh, apps. You know whatever. Um, Pluto TV, I think it has it has like Lucha Underground like four seasons. Like Sammy G's on it. Yeah. Hagar's in it. Uh, Penta obviously. Phoenix, oh yeah. All these people. So like of course Ricochet back when he was uh, Prince, Puma. Prince Puma. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. But um, no, I thought this match was really good. Um, I thought it was fun. They could it. You're right. I mean, I have to. I have to agree with you. Like towards the end, they should have had some kind of shenanigans where it may still like the hybrid look somewhat decent. I'm gonna be wrong. They put on a hell of a match. Well, they, they they weren't crushed by any means, but I it, a, a straight loss just completely takes them out of the running for the title picture, and I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, at least I mean, at least they gave them a good run for the money for the for the um for the moment. But I guess um after the match, after the BT trigger, uh, the acclaim come out and. Uh, it looks like they're about to attack um, the Young Bucks, and then SCU come out and make the save. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this, to be honest with you. Um, because I mean, you're you're just to me, it feels like you're adding too many different tag teams in the same storyline. Like, why is SCU helping the Young Bucks? Yeah. Why uh, is this, is this going to be a thing between the acclaimed and the SCU? Is going to be a thing between the SCU, uh, but between uh, the uh, acclaimed and the Young Bucks? It's gonna be something between all three of them. We got a little love triangle going on here. What's going it's, on? It's weird. It just seems like you have too many like chefs in the kitchen. It's kind of like you just got to like with one tag team that you're trying to help up um, Top Flight or whatever tag team they're yeah. trying to promote on there. And Top Flight's uh, just you know nothing now. And it's, you know, it's weird. Why didn't Top Flight come out and just make the save? Yeah, because yeah, Top Flight would have made sense to make the save for the Young Bucks because they're supposed to be their uh, protege. It's like, why was SU even brought in? Why were they just in the back, like doing something else? Like Top Flight should have came out there. He's like, oh, you had our back last week. We got yours this week. Right. It would make more story sense. Like, why are we doing this? But instead, like they decided to go a different direction. Now maybe it's setting something up for the future. I'm not really sure at this juncture, but I mean, it's just kind of weird to have a whole different tag team in here. So is it going to be like a four-person tag, like SCU and the Young Bucks versus a Claim and the Hybrid? Maybe I don't know. Like. What are we going to do with that, you know? I'm not sure where the story is going. Hopefully they do something good with it. But right now, I, I feel like, like you said, they're doing too much with too little at this point. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, after that, uh, we got a segment from MJF. And, dude, I'm enjoying MJF so much. I mean, he is like, you know, the, every, I think everybody got past the whole, like, sing thing he did with uh, Jericho a couple weeks ago. I think we all forgot it until I said something right now. Right. Um, but the thing is, like, you know, he's back to natural form, talking about how he's going to sit there and um, he's going to fight against Orange Cassidy because obviously they're fighting for that diamond ring that um, uh, MJF still has at this current moment right now. Um, and he goes, like, it's not going to be an upset. Cat, He's going to beat Cassidy's ass, pretty much. But, you know, the way his delivery on his promos, man, this guy is 
fire, pure fire, spitfire at a microphone. Um, Best heel in the business right now. I think so. I mean, like, I don't think anybody else could really hold a candle to him when I mean, it comes that, to promos. And, and that includes Jericho. I mean... <laughs> don't get me wrong. Jericho is a very talented guy. I mean, he's got a lot of brilliant ideas. But MGF, man, I mean, it's either he's doing on par or even better because it just seems like he's just knocking out of the park. And every chance he has to go out there and do something amazing, he's killing it. And his matches are great. He doesn't. He doesn't look like he's overpowering people. He shouldn't be overpowering. He wins by dis, by dirty means. I mean, it's great. The way MJF is playing is the perfect heel. It's like it's like he wins by any means necessary. And the thing is, like that's a smart wrestler. You're not falling into that whole stigma where, like, you know, you got to sit there and follow by the rules or right. do su- do stupid silly mistakes. Like he's literally out for number one, which is himself. Which he tells everybody he's number one. So pretty much. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying MJF. I think right now this whole inner circle turmoil thing, whatever, the storyline that's going on, um, I think it's going to produce a lot, um, especially next coming, coming weeks. And we have another thing with that with them later on. But um, we cut back, and they have a segment with Darby Allen, and he's in some kind of therapist room or something. Well, this is the first one of these that actually made sense because he's actually kind of talking. Exactly. Explaining what he's seeing, seeing things, which I really fucking loved this. And the best part of it at the end was even after he said all the things, like the snake in the grass, he said all the things about all the people he had to say something about. Yeah, the Warshak test. He had one for, like, he said, like, that was Taz. This one is, um, this one is, uh, Cage. This one is, uh, Hobbs. And he explained and, why he saw that. And it was great. And then they showed the sting and he just smiled. Yeah. Fucking loved so it. It was a great segment. It's it's building seeds of, obviously, because I think Sting's going to be a mentor. That's all it is. And I, well, I think, and I, I kind of talked about this with uh, Vinny last week. I think that I I don't want to see Sting with the world title right now. No, no, I. Um, but I would love to see him as as a previous TNT uh, star with WCW. I would love to see Sting with the TNT Championship. Wow, you know what? I could see. I, yeah, I'd vouch for that to myself. I'd be all for that segment. Holy crap! I didn't even think about that. Especially with Sting seeing Darby Allen in the in the crowd, the way he sees him, the, looking at him, seeing a kind of a thing. This could be a passing of the torch between him and Darby Allen. I think so too, because I think like um, he is kind of like that Sting figure, I guess, in a way. It's kind of dark, he's, he's, a little emo. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe Sting will give him some like protein shakes. He could kind of build up a little bit. <laughs> I don't know, like the Stingers protein packs. I don't know, whatever you want to sell. How, TK, if you're listening, I know you are. Get him some of them from protein shakes. You know he's going to love it. It's going to be amazing. But, um, no, I mean, I think uh, Darby Allen is pretty good. I think he's he woke up a little bit. I mean, he doesn't have to be, like, a big overbearing person. Like, I talked about many segments before where Jungle Boy Jack Perry, he's small, but he fights bigger than his body. Right. Well, I mean, he, he could he could bulk up like Jeff Hardy bulked up. Like, well, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, he, he doesn't need to be huge, just a little bit bigger. Just a little bit bigger. I mean, at least wear something that, that, that accentuates his size a little bit, like... For instance, Macho Man, he's saying, I'm not saying you have to be all flamboyant and wear, like, big hats and step on your tippy toes. But at the same time, like, he wore clothes to kind of accentuate how to, you know... They made him look even bigger than he exactly. was. Exactly. So, like, stop wearing, like, those skinny jeans and have something else, different kind of gear that kind of give you that bulk. Like, maybe you wear a stink pants where they have, like, little padding on it. So that way it looks like it's a little bigger than what it really is. Something like that could kind of add more dimension um, to his size and his character, I think. Absolutely. He needs something else because right now... I, I love Darby Allen. I love watching him in the ring. I love the different kinds of moves he does, but some of it just doesn't feel real because he's just 
too small and he's not doing crazy enough stuff like Rey Mysterio to make it believable. That's true. And I think like, you know, add, adding that layer to it, and it, it's a small tweak. We're not asking like for too much. I mean, we're not saying like small people can be wrestlers. Oh, absolutely. Obviously we've seen that stigma be broken right. so many times Like I said, Rey Mysterio pulls it off, but he's got a moveset that makes sense for it. Absolutely. You know, speed, you know, uh, and air, and, and I mean, Darby uh, Allen's got that too. And the thing is, like, with that uh, devil may cry kind of attitude, and he just needs to he, he needs to utilize it just a little bit better. Yeah, and, and I, I, th- I think that's where Sting kind of comes into play and says, "Hey, you know, we can you, teach you a few. Things. We can teach you a few things. Hey, I've seen a few things. I can teach you a few things. And then you can kind of, you know, I, I would like to see the passing of the torch. Eventually, even sing a match between Darby and Sting just for that privilege. Absolutely, and I would. It would be the most. In, to me, that would be a very enjoyable thing. Like you could have a, you could have Sting take the t- TNT title off of him, right? And they bat- and they do battle, and then Sting is mentoring him while he's the TNT champion, and eventually. When Darby Allen gets to the point where he can rise up again, he re-challenges his mentor for that title and passes it back, and that is the true passing of the torch. Exactly. And that's the way you write that, folks. TK, if you're listening, take down notes. That's how we're <laughs> gonna write Darby <laughs> Allen going forward. <laughs> but anyway, so now we cut back. Uh, we go from the therapist the session or whatever it was. <laughs> we're sitting over there. We go back to Cody Rhodes, and Art Anderson is in the ring with Tony Schiavone. So obviously, uh, you know, he goes out there and uh, they're just talking for about a brief couple seconds, talking about what happened last week, how um, Sting came out there in the system, and before Cody can even get a word out edgewise, you hear the drums. Winter is coming, there's snow on the trees, there's crows or eagles flying on top of the, you can see like the bird's eye view of the woods. Can you know, I just say, I love this entrance, man. <laughs> dude, it is so awesome. It is so awesome. I don't know how the hell you get snow. <laughs> I don't care if it's fabricated. You're getting snow in Jacksonville. You know those fans there? They would love that. For the simple fact, like right now in Georgia, it's kind of cold, right? And you would say it's kind of cold. You got to wear a sweater, yeah, she, you got to yeah, wear a coat. In so. the morning, in the morning, I'm wearing multiple layers. It's, 20, yeah. it's like 20 degrees. It's like 25 degrees in the morning. In the afternoon, it's like 50. You can kind of like take your jacket off and wear a sweater. In Florida, in the morning, it's like 50. It's like, exactly. <laughs> in the morning, it's like 50, 55 degrees. It goes still, up to 70 degrees You're in still the sleeping in your underwear, but like fucking noon, you just want to take everything off and you're done with it. So I'm pretty sure the fans who got like that stage, like right next to the stage, if they sit there, they can feel the presence of Sting because it's fucking cold. Because winter has come finally. And uh, wow, what an entrance. I think this is even better than the Sting one that we had at WrestleMania. Like the entrance. Oh, and I love the, his new music too. Oh yeah, no doubt. It's, it, it, it's got that nice, almost creepy, but very solid and stoic feel to it. It does. It does. And like it feels kind of right too. So it's kind of nice that, you know, the packaging they did for it. And I, I just, I'm not sure if you know, but on WrestlingTees.com, uh, the most uh, amount of shirts sold ever within a 24-hour period. Yeah, they, they sold out all of Sting's merch, like, immediately. And, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a Sting fan. Like, I'm a, okay, so I like wrestling, okay? I do. But I don't have many shirts or many memorabilia when it comes to WWE. I don't. I don't have a lot of it. I have uh, some. Absolutely. But, um, like, people, like, young and old alike bought the shit out of it so much he's like all right this is my penny so i guess i guess they had a deal with like maybe 20 comes like yeah if i get the most uh, t-shirts sold i'll be here for a while so i guess they're in a promo and he said like <laughs> he's like i signed a long-term contract with aw i'm gonna be here for a while because my merch sold obviously he didn't say that but god that's exactly. what he meant we know that's that what, we knew what he said it's like whoa so <laughs> i just stepped on stage and had a stare i didn't say a fucking word my shirt goes on sale and it sells out. Their fucking servers probably broke. I'm pretty sure. Like, oh my goodness, it's fucking crazy. It'd be the same thing like a CM Punk in AEW, which will happen eventually, folks. 
If you listen to part one, we talked about it. <laughs> well, we're going to see. I would love to see uh, CM Punk in AEW because CM Punk can write his own stories amazingly. Well, think he, about this way. His character is not built for scripting like WWE. So this is the weird thing, too. So um, I know we're going to try. We're going to go back to this segment in a second. But um, in part one, me and Vinny were talking about um, uh, Renee uh, Paquette or Renee Young that we know her. Mm-hmm. Um, she has her own podcast. CM Punk was just recently on there. And he had a discussion about the landscape of wrestling, uh, who pays them more, like either WWE or, you know, Dana Brooke, or not Dana Brooke, but Dana, um, Dana White um, from UFC. And uh, talking about, like, what would it take for him to get back in there? And he goes, like, oh, just a stupid amount of money. Who has a stupid amount of money who's just pretty much just giving contracts willy-nilly to get people on there? Tony motherfucking Tony Khan. TK, listen to me. <laughs> Take down your notes again, bro. Listen, how many cats have to die in order for us to get CM Punk over to AEW? That's and not, and let's be straight here. T- CM Punk as a heel coming into AEW? Oh my! Fu- We've got so no, many faces but, in AEW, but, but, but it's not even that. So like, he could do the whole like anti-hero type thing. Both heel like, he could dip his feet in the heel position, but at the same time, kind of still in the face. But this and like me and Bing were thinking about it. How would you write CM Punk to come in there, right? So he goes into the company. He sees there's a lot of talent, like you know Kenny Omega, all these different teams, all these different people he can fight. Right? He just trashes WWE. But no, 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 <laughs> but, no. But that's the, that's the beauty of it. So we're trying to think, oh, he won't fit in with the inner circle. He won't fit in with this group. He won't fit in with that. How would CM Punk fit into that? I'm thinking to myself, fuck that. No. He wants to fight the giant that is WWE. But AEW in its current state, it's not there. People have to rally behind him. And he's going to get that whole house in order to beat the big Goliath that is WWE. So it's him trying to fit in with everybody else with the inner circle or the dark order or anybody else. Fuck that. He's going to be a standard bearer and everybody has to come up to his level of, of expertise to get AEW to They'll the just next have level. him come in and have him start dominating in ways that they, someone his size should not be dominating. And, and like, it'll, it'll, it'll be the absolute... He's just straight out working people. He's out, he's, he's the best, technical, te- best, best technician, a best flyer, the best, the best striker, and he can even take some of the training, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu he took... Training for uh UFC. for UFC, even though he wasn't very good at it. Let's be honest, he got his ass with both fights. <laughs> he got a lot of money though. He got a lot of money for those fights. Yeah, but, but think about it this way, right? So when CM Punk had that um podcast he had done with Colt Cabana, um, so when he had that podcast, remember he broke the internet. Oh yeah, but, like those servers were fucking Look, gone. I don't listen to podcasts, but I listened to that podcast, and <laughs> so everybody did. Like everybody, it was on all the dirt sheets. It was everywhere. It was quoted. It was misquoted. It was so much information that was given on that podcast. And he'd been out of business for a couple of years. If that motherfucker comes back and comes to AW, he's gonna. But the thing is, like, I think because of his ego, he will come back and lose his fans. Like a lot of fans. You gotta bring. You gotta bring a lot of people in. Oh, he'll come back without the fans. He doesn't need that because he doesn't care about the fans. No, He's, but he cares. No, he, what he cares I, about is the money. Well, the money they put his mer- they, they put his merch on. It will sell out just like Stings did. It will. I'll probably break Stings' record. <laughs> Sting is like the record breaker right now. CM Punk is still selling shirts to this day. Go to WrestlingTees.com, folks. You will find CM Punk merchandise stuff you'll never see in WWE. But at the same time, like bringing him on to AEW would be amazing. So I mean. That was a topic we talked about earlier today, but um, I'm just trying to bring up different scopes. But 
Let's get back, because I don't like we like to get derailed. Um, that's just kind of my thing, whatever. We talk about something like, oh, pretty squirrel, CM Punk, what? <laughs> you put two ADHD motherfuckers in a room together, this is what you get. And I got no Adderall, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, so, so yeah, Sting comes out, and he basically says, he, like I, I was saying, he has a familiar feel to it, and he looks out to Darby Allen, and he's talking about he's talking to uh, Cody Rhodes, and he sits there, he's like, like I've always said, the only thing that's certain about the Stinger is that nothing is certain about the stinger? Absolutely. And he gives it, and he gives Cody this awkward forced hug, and Cody's like freaking out, like he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Right. And this is absolutely fucking gorgeous because Cody being in the uh, being in there for the back the back party stuff, everybody knows that he's signing people, and Cody has no idea what's going on here because he didn't sign Sting. Right. Tony Khan did, and that's how they're playing this. And Sting is sitting there like, you don't know what's gonna, what he's going to do, and it's. Such a well, great. I thought it was really cool too because he came out there and he goes like, "Oh, you're out here. Um, I've always wanted to meet you in a ring." Like he was trying to say, like, I think the fans took it the wrong way, which is kind of weird because I watched it and I rewatched it again. He goes like, "I'm out here. But I've, I've I've waited to be the same ring as you." And then us things like, "I'm not here for you, Cody." <laughs> At least not yet. <laughs> right. So he's like, oh, shit. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. He, I think it was kind of like misinterpreted the way he says, like, I've, I've been waiting to be in a ring with you. And he's like, I'm not here for you, man. I'm here. I'm, it basically I'm, said he's here for Darby exactly. Allen. I'm here was, for Darby. I'm not here for you. <laughs> and then, you know, Arn Anderson at the beginning, he was like, I there's no disrespect. I just wanted to make sure that this is actually really happening. And he walks out. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, Arn Anderson said, I'm going to give you the ring. I'm going to give like, dude, seriously, that's awesome. And Tony Schiavone <laughs> tries to leave and sees like, no, 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 buddy. We've been friends for how long? <laughs> I've been for a long time. Just one time real quick. I owe my career to you. <laughs> just one more time. It's staying. I, mean, I was like, I think it's like I kind of marked because I was like, you know, I, I I forgot that he did that, and as soon as he brought up, I'm like, that's right. Oh my god, it's Sting! And I'm it like, ah, oh. a little fanboy male, like, yay, Sting! <laughs> Woo! Sting is uh, Sting's living up the AEW back in TNT thing, and he's living up as having his old buddies back in the ring with him, and he's and he's living up meeting new guys in the ring, and it's really cool seeing because Sting. Above all else, is definitely still a wrestling fan. Yes, he is. And, and, and so he is like, even though he's this huge mega name in, in the wrestling industry, he's marking out for all these young dudes, and it's really cool to see this. It is really nice to see. I mean, like you have some people who are selfish in the business. We've heard like the podcast, the dirt sheets about you know the politicking in the back and everything else. And obviously, uh, have, you, have, have you ever heard anything <laughs> rotten or negative about Sting? Ever? Never. Not him and Mark Calloway. The yeah, Undertaker. Exactly, exactly. The, neither one of them. I've I've never heard a bad thing about either fucking. Like one you have of them. like the Iron Sheik like breaking <laughs> people down. You have Honky Talk Man. Uh, uh, what's his name? That Valentine guy, whatever. Um, anyways, so you have all these old wrestlers yeah, always Valentine. shooting. Yeah. Greg Valentine, thank you. Yeah. Um, you have all these different wrestlers always talking shit about other wrestlers, like at all times, right? So they're constantly more, rec- of, more recently what? Matt Riddle and <laughs> yeah, well Matt Riddle, but at the same time, like you have all these people always talking shit about each other. Never once. Undertaker, never once about Sting, ever. No, like, but, you, yeah, you, 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 hear, you hear things like Undertaker saying he didn't like certain people, like, because, but it was like like his thing with Shawn Michaels when Shawn Michaels was at the click, and he had that attitude. And Undertaker didn't like him. 
But Undertaker was still polite and did business and respectful and did everything right. You never hear a bad thing about how Undertaker worked, ever. Stone Cold was a great person to work with, but even he lost his shit a couple times. Yeah, of course. Well, I think, like, the pressure gets to you, man, because you have to think about it, man. Like, I would never... Like, again, I know our podcast is fun. It's number two in someone's house, maybe. But at the same time, like... I can never imagine the juncture at a point where I'm getting paid buku money and I'm like, well, no, like, why can't I walk down the street and people are like, Elvis, that would freak me out. First of all, how the fuck do you know my name? I told you not to follow me on Twitter, not to follow me on, on, on anything. Don't follow me on Facebook, don't follow me on Instagram. And in fact, he was like, hey, Elvis, I fucking know you. I know your voice. I'm like, I didn't say anything, motherfucker. <laughs> You're not even supposed to know me. Uh, uh. Yeah, and but, but the thing is, like all that money, that fame, like your 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 face is plastered on a on a billboard, on on sports drinks, on toys, on video games, on magazines. I could I could not handle it. I don't know. A lot of people can. Oh, so the thing is, like, I've always said I want to be a musician for my uh, for a living. I don't want to be a mega star. I don't want to be Luke Bryan. No, I want to be a guy who can play the local bars and make a living. It's like could that's you, what I want. Like, could you imagine like trying to be like Garth Brooks or something like that, or Willie Nelson? Or I absolutely Simpson? fucking love these guys, Look, and I would I love to go see them. And but, dude, I can't imagine not being able to walk to, down the street and somebody is like, like Eminem has talked about it before as well. It's like you can't, can't go to the freaking restroom without somebody no. trying to stop you. It's like that's insane. No, man. that's insanity because and, like, I mean, you sign and, up for it. And but. obviously, you know, you get people like The Rock who says is like he'll, he'll straight up tell you is like you see him in a restaurant, let him finish his meal. If he, if once he's finished his meal, he's about on his way out. If you want to say, hey, by the way, you know, I saw you over there. I, I was like, I waited for you to finish eating, but man, I, I'm a big fan. Shake his hand. He'll sign. He'll take a picture, sign an autograph. Let him finish his fucking meal. Yeah. Don't break up his time with his family. You know, and, and but people, I can't because you know, not everybody's gonna do that though. Yeah. And that, that shit would drive me goddamn insane. Well, I mean, like, I'm, not, I'm like a typical friend. Like I've seen a lot of W. Like when I was living in Atlanta back when, like in 19, uh, or two, the year 2000, I was living in Atlanta my, for my first thing here in Atlanta. Um, so <laughs> I used to go to all these bars when 20, 21 years old, and I, I met up with Buff Bagwell. I met up with uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, right? Um, all these different wrestlers. I did see Kevin Nash down the street from my uncle's house. I was at the gas station getting gas, and he pulled <coughs> his Mercedes. Now, Kevin Nash is a big motherfucker. Now, the, yeah. the first time I met him, it was in passing. The second time I met him at a gas station, he was on a phone call. He was pumping his gas. I sat there, I looked at him, and I was like, I'm going to talk to you, motherfucker. I'm going to talk to you, because I was a big Kevin Nash fan back then. And uh, waited until he got us a phone call. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? I'm like, hey, my name is Elvis. I think I'm a big fan. Uh, love what you're doing. You are, don't change. You're amazing. He's like, hey, do you want an autograph or something? I'm like, no, I just want to say you're awesome and thank you for making my whatever nights fucking, fucking amazing. And he's like, all right. I'm like, all right, cool. Talk to you later. Bye. That's it. No hugs, no handshakes, no pictures, no right. autographs. See, I, I I always do the sh handshake. Yeah, that's exactly. My, that's, that, to me, that's that's a respect thing. You exactly. Know? Um, when I it's like I, I tell people all the time, you, you hear you hear certain certain wrestlers, especially uh, you hear it for all kinds of stars, but wrestlers, uh, you hear a lot, a lot of bad fan interactions. And I'm sitting here like I heard a lot of them about like Carlito. Okay. Carlito, I've heard a lot of things. People saying he's an asshole. Nobody likes. He doesn't. He's an asshole. He's not. He's not cool to meet in person. I met him in person. Okay. All right. Um, I met him in person working in an indie show, and a lot of people who've listened to the uh, Boochcast have heard me tell this story. I've told it a couple of times, but I met I, I was I was working this indie show. Uh, Vinny was uh, Vinny was uh, commentating and was, commentating yeah, yeah for that, and and I volunteered to go. And the owner of the uh, little indie promotion, because I was the first worker there and the last one to leave, and I was Vinny's friend. I got to, uh, he, the owner said, "No, oh, bring him along. He'll have dinner with us." 
Cool. Oh shit. Um, now the first time I met Carl, the first time I met Carlito was before the show, right? I walk. He, he's just kind of hanging out. He's hanging out in the area where all where most of the volunteers are already at. Mm-hmm. All right. So it, it's not like he was hiding out or nothing, but he was just sitting there. He's kind of hanging out by himself. It looked like he might been might have been running through lines or something in his head. Right. Right. And I walk up to him. And I said, "As a, a don't mean to interrupt you. I know you're prepping for a show. Just want to say I've been watching you since you debuted in WWE years ago. Big fan." Um, nice to meet you and shook his hand. That was cool. Oh. He was very polite, very calm. And I think what it is, I went up to him, immediately gave him the respect of, I'm not going to take much of your time. Yeah. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not being demanding. I'm not going to be that, I'm not going to be that asshole. I know that you're doing something else and I'm not here to take your time. Except for me, I would have done it different. I'm like, here's an apple. Could you please spit it at my face? <laughs> I am not fucking cool at all. <laughs> Uh, if I was going to do that, that would be on film. There's no way I would not. I was like, dude, I want an apple of you. You know what cool is? <laughs> no. like, oh, oh damn. But no, but it was like, and I did that. So that was the first time I met him. But then um, the owner of the promotion, like I said, I was the first one, the first one there and the last one to leave. And he's, the owner of the promotion comes up to me and says, you want to have dinner? Like, so, uh, no, you want to have, come, you got to come have dinner with us. I mean, I'm not gonna tell. I'm not exactly. gonna say no. Um, what I didn't realize is how many of the wrestlers were gonna be having dinner with us that night. Oh man! I literally sat beside Carlito. No way. We both had steaks together, man. Oh no shit! And I've got a picture of me sitting beside Carlito because this. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here texting my friend Amanda in Maryland, a friend I went to high school with, right? Mm-hmm. And she, I'm like, you're not gonna believe who the fuck I'm sitting beside. I'm having dinner with Carlito right now, oh, and, wow. and she and she's like, no. And I was like, look, and I looked at Carlito. I was like, I know we, we talked a little bit earlier, and I, 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 I look, I don't mean to be a fanboy, but I'm texting my one of my best friends in high school, and she she's not gonna believe this. Can I get a picture? And he looks at the chat head. This is at her. I said, yeah. He said, no, I don't like her. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just straight up joking with me just straight up joshing on me and it was great you know he was wow. just being a person right being funny and he he understood my situation like nah nah go ahead take the picture take the picture and so we took the picture and and yeah, he's not smiling or anything he's just got a little bit of a well, kind of a smirk going on yeah. but I'm smiling like a fucking I'm cheesing yeah. man I'm cheesing and, and I send this picture to her she's like oh my god that's fucking awesome and I, yeah I got to have fucking steak dinner with Carlito and and just listening to him talking to the other wrestlers and telling stories about things that they've done, I, we were we had, we were at that fucking uh, Applebee's for like four hours. No shit. Uh, we were just sitting there chilling and everybody's telling stories and hanging out. And I fanboyed up in uh, Orlando when uh, Orla- uh, back when TNA was a fun thing at, at the time. Um, I got to hang out with Eric Young, uh, Bobby Roode, uh, Jeff Jarrett, and uh, who's the other guy from Beer Money? Um, not Beer Money, but uh, not James Storm, but fuck. I can't think of it. I can't think of his name. The Wildcat. No. Chris Harris? Man, if you're talking about Impact, I'm lost. Okay, so, <laughs> no, so that was a long time ago. I lived in Orlando, and the thing is that they take their shows every two weeks at Universal Studios. Right. So, and I used to go every time. They called me the rum and coke guy because i get one of those big old 44 ounces fucking of coke, put a ton of fucking rum in there, and just bring it inside and just drink the whole... I drink on the way to the shop. I was a horrible alcoholic. Um, I, I was a functioning alcoholic. Um, but that was the least of my worries for my Florida days, and that's for a different story for a different day. But um, I used to go to the shows, and I used to go to the Ale House across the street from the show. So I remember I'd go to a show, hang out for a bit, and then, and then I realized they were all going over there. The first couple of times I got there late, couldn't get the pool tables. I want to get some pool tables. One time I left the show early, and it became a habit, where I leave the show early, go across the street, 
get a pool table, and I got to play fucking pool with a couple fucking wrestlers. It was fucking the tits, man. It, it was the best. And that, that those kind of things there when you're playing pool is when you really get to know these guys. Exactly. Because they're they're not they let their guard down. You're sitting there playing pool and just chilling with them. You're not you're not being a fanboy. You're being a person. Oh, exactly. And the thing is, like, for me, it was like, you know, I got the tables and all the tables were taken up. So when they get there, they'd be waiting for a table. I'm like, do you guys want to jump on whatever? He's like, all right, cool. Yeah. So we'll sit there and just bullshit whatever. And it wasn't like, oh, my God, it's you. Or, you know, um, it was like one of those fanboy things where you're freaking out. It's more like, hey, let's just play and have a good time. They get you cold right. or whatever. It, it, I think the problem that people have with celebrities is they think that, oh, they're these big mega stars. They're above my level. I'm gonna be no. You, you treat they're, them as they're people, man. They're people. They just have cooler jobs. Yeah, that's it. It's like way cooler jobs. <laughs> my job sucks. So. But at the same time, like I guess for me, it was more like a, like a, a thing that I got to hang out the people that I actually enjoy watching on TV. So if I can give back a little bit or just at least be in her presence and acknowledge right. me, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, in any other circumstance, you won't have that opportunity again unless you actually. You're a stalker or one of those weird people out there. And I was right. kind of a stalkerish kind of way, but I didn't, you know, like, unless the season one, I'm like, hey, let's just make it fun. Let's play some darts. Let's do right. Whatever. It was like, you didn't know who was going to show up at what night. Exactly. It's just like, whoever showed, he's like, you knew that they were filming there. You knew that that's what, you know, that some of them were going to go chill and, you know, shoot the shit after the show. Except, and, and, well, for me, it's like, what well, I think is, like, I had such a crush on, uh, what's your name? SoCal Valid is Redhead. <laughs> um, I had the big, and she'd come talk to us, and I just, I'd be all cool, and whenever she came, I just shut the fuck up. And then like uh, Sanjay Dutt used to make fun of me. <laughs> He's like, "Dude, what happens? All of a sudden, she comes over, you can't talk shit." I'm like, "No, no, yeah, no, I, no, no that's it. I'm gone." I'm like, like, she's gorgeous. Like, I mean, they have like Velvet Sky, all these amazing. Oh yeah, it'd be like, yeah, all these amazing knockouts. Put Becky TNA. Lynch beside me or Alexa Bliss. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, over. Yeah, exactly. I'm done. <laughs> she like kryptonite. She come to me, I'd be like, oh, "I got man. shit." <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "Hey, SoCal Val. They all call her by a real name, but I couldn't call her by Speaking a real name." Speaking of Becky Lynch, I haven't said this yet. So, uh, congrats to Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. Their baby come out healthy. Uh, so real quick, uh, I know y'all probably ain't listening to this shit, but congrats. <laughs> I mean, I know TK is listening. TK, Tony Khan, what's up, buddy? Um, <laughs> but oh, back to Tony Khan's show. Let's go over there. So sidetracked again. That's twice in ten minutes. I can't believe it. Uh, but it's the last show, so uh, we need to go out the bang anyway. So it's fine. Um, we go back and we have uh, a segment with uh, FTR. And if TR is talking about how they need to be the champions, they're hungry to be champions, and nothing else would please them more than to sit there and be the tag team champions again. Obviously, um, everybody trying to take the fault. I think Wilder's like, no, it's my fault because I did this. And then um, uh, so, uh, Tully was like, no, it's my fault. We work together as a team. We all fall apart. We're all together. But when we're, we're all together, we're invincible. We're a fantastic dynamic. No one can mess, no one can mess with us. We need to get back on board. Get our heads right and get back to the promised land. I uh, see. I like this because it's like they're sitting here accepting that they lost. They're not putting the blame on anybody but themselves. And, and no, but yeah, exactly. That's the perfect thing. It's, they're like they're all <laughs> accepting there is a partial responsibility for the loss that had taken place a couple weeks prior to that. And so this is a really cool setup, and it doesn't you don't see it doesn't bear, no, you really don't. I mean, you you see a fan, you'll see a, you'll see a face every every now and then, be like. I fucked up. Now I gotta get on here. It's like John Cena's done it once or twice. You yeah. know, where he'll I step up and I gotta get step up my game now because I can't take that loss. I gotta get back up and get better. And that's kind of what they're doing here. It's like, no, we got wait, we, wait, we made is, a mistake. What did Cena ever lose? It does happen, man. <laughs> no, I, uh, against I, the Rock, uh, he did it once against the Rock and once against Daniel Bryan. That's it. Yeah, that's the end, that's the end of the list. He's never <laughs> lost before. No, actually, you know, uh, Randy Orton has the best win loss record against John Cena at pay per views. Really. Randy Orton is, uh, has won uh, is like of all the matches that John Cena has lost at pay per views, which isn't a whole lot. Randy Orton holds more of them than anybody else. 
Yeah, that's true. But I, mean, I like seeing the dynamic because you don't see it typically in wrestling where, you know, a team <clears throat> takes responsibility and gets... Like, it's like it's almost like they're really distraught by it and they, it causes a fall between a team or a shift and a team they're like, no, 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 no. We're better than this. You know, we faltered together. We're going to rise together. Well, it's, and it's also kind of part of, you know, how the Young Bucks did their thing. Like, they, 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 when, they, when they got more aggressive to, before they won this championship back, they're like, no, we, we fell off. We got complacent. We weren't doing our thing. We brought this aggression back, and now we're the tag team champions. Exactly. They took they, they took the blame themselves. Like we got complacent. And how long has the has like the young bucks been hurt? It seems like every match, it's either Matt's back's broken or Matt's legs broken. It seems like every other week it's a different storyline. Like I could write a book on Matt's injuries alone. <laughs> it is the craziest thing. If you watch like Bing the Elite, he can't even take the trash out without like catching some blood in his face. So I don't get it. It's you so look weird. at him the wrong way, and suddenly he's bleeding. No, no, no. no, 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 no was like you know um uh, you know BTE makes fun of themselves from what the fans talk about which is really cool because um WWE whenever they mess up they don't really emphasize the hilarity on it where BTE or you know AEW on BTE they make fun of themselves so if the fans make fun of something they kind of like put a big spotlight on it and like make it super funny where it's like okay we're laughing ourselves we know it's funny like when Matt Seidel when he fucked up, up his entrance when he, when he fucked up his entrance why did he fuck it up <laughs> Because Nakazawa put some oil on that fucking top rope. I mean, it was just a funny segment back there. Uh, it was great. It's like, and it was like, it was, it was bad about that particular. Uh, I, I've, we've talked about this before, but what's really bad about Matt Seidel fucking this up is he's he is one of the best flyers in the he business. Is. He does not botch often, but when he does, <laughs> he does a big time. I mean, he's a new Shockmaster. Shockmaster had to live with that for years, and the Shockmaster's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I got this off my plate. Like when everybody looks at the top botches in the world, Sidell's number one, and then now uh, Shockmaster, he's he's a second now. It doesn't really matter. Then you've got then you've got uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh what's his name? Uh, oh god, big motherfucker in WWE, big black dude. Uh, uh, Titus. Titus. Oh, the world slide. Yeah, 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 Titus world slide. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was great! Uh, I, uh, what's bad is the, the, he did that at the Royal Rumble. And the next year at the Royal Rumble, after that, he he, he runs up and stops and slowly climbs up into the ropes. He's he made he made fun of himself. It was a great move. It was a good callback I mean, to the it, to the boss. It's like when you when you acknowledge your faults and kind of shine a limelight, you can't really make fun of it. It's kind of like making fun of somebody. Yeah. It's like so you know you can't make fun of someone who's making fun of themselves. Yeah, pretty much because like <laughs> like the power is lost. Like. Like, for instance, you and I like to rib on um, Zach a lot. Right. And the only reason we do is because he gets so, so mad. Pissed. So and, pissed. And the thing is, like, you, he, hey, Zach, if you're listening, this is the trick. Don't get mad about the things we say. And, like, make fun of yourself worse. <laughs> if you make fun of yourself or, like, don't take no offense to it, you know what happens? No one makes fun of you because they can't hurt you. <laughs> my name's Elvis. You know how much shit I had to listen to my whole fucking life? It doesn't bother me anymore. You know why? Because Elvis jokes are stupid. At least in my mind, in my mind there are. So you try to bring that up. I'm like, oh, that's the best joke. you got? The best you can do? I was like, wait, wait, really? That, that's what you have? Okay, okay, pal. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> oh, man, so original. You're the, first, you're the first one today, buddy. Way to go. You're the first one, and you failed. You failed miserably. I mean, someone calls you a, a ginger or soulless ginger, or um, someone says you sleep on a, on a mattress made of air, and you poke holes in it. I mean, I wouldn't take offense to it. I mean... You, you know, it's just a way of life. If Mitch, it truly is your secret lover, it's fine. You have to come to terms with it. It happens. Uh, prime example. Anybody, every, at this point, almost all of us have seen Eight Mile. All right. Of course. And that final, that final rap battle at the end. How did he? How did Eminem make him, the other dude trip up? He fucking ripped on himself. Took away all of his ammunition. I know. 
And the guy just sat <laughs> with the mic in his hands like, yo, I'm going to kill this guy. Uh, uh, I have uh, nothing. I got uh, nothing. <laughs> what do you got? What, I'm so, the hippopotamus. Uh, my, my rhymes are bottomless. The, oh. fi- the, fi- the final line The final line in Rabbit's fucking bit there was, here, tell these people something they don't know about me. It's like, I ain't got shit. <laughs> he uses Downy detergent. I can't believe it. No, I'm not say. But, um... No man, it's 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 weird. I I love seeing this, like different ideas, different things coming up when it comes to the show. Um, take, a team taking responsibility for their uh, shortcomings, always a plus in my eyes. And the thing is, like they're shying away from like just making like the stereotypical. No one watches this tape. No one sees what's going on. Take responsibility. It's fun. So I'm loving it. Um, it's it's gonna set the premise, kind of like light a fire underneath uh, FTR to see what they're gonna yeah, do. And I'm I'm excited to see what they're gonna do next. And I'm ready to see how they start running through more teams because that's the thing is they took a loss. Now they've got to get back on the saddle and start winning again. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what the, what comes from that. Uh, what, what was next? What was next? So actually, we had a match between FTR and the uh, Hollywood, oh, the Varsity Blondes. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember, uh, it was Varsity Blondes. Uh, from they had a pretty decent record from what I was seeing. Yeah, but it was, it was it was on dark though, pretty much. We have Flying Brian Jr. and we have a uh, Jungle Man, uh, Griff Garrison. Yeah, it was interesting when I saw these two. I'm like. Uh, what are these guys trying to be? The, the Hollywood Blondes? You know, the old Stone Cold faction? <laughs> well, it's like Stone Cold and Flying Brian. So right, it's, it's right. kind of like a throwback to his father, pretty much, especially with that fucking mullet. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> a throwback Absolutely. for sure. But, I mean, these guys really impressed. I mean, I have to give Griff Garrison, like, he was a lot more charismatic than I thought he was going to be. Um, don't get me wrong, uh, Brian Pillman was good and stellar in what he was doing, but he was pretty much like the face in peril where Griff Garrison was like the hot tag to come in and kind of clear house, which is really fun to see. He had a couple of stinger splashes in there. I thought was pretty sweet. Um, this match was pretty good, and they really gave a, a running to FTR, believe it or not. I mean, I, those couple calls, I'm like, the, damn, that was a close one. Yeah, and at the end, FTR got the win, which is exactly what needed to happen for the story. Exactly, but the thing is, they put on a damn good fight. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, FTR put the, over the Varsity Blondes in a way that I don't think another tag team like the Young Blondes oh, yeah. or anybody it's, else could have done. It's hard to beat somebody and make them look good, and FTR did it with... And they do it on a, on a constant basis. Oh yeah, absolutely, which is fantastic. Well, it, was, it was like when when John Cena had his uh, uh had his uh, United States Championship Open Challenges. He he won every week, but they were five star matches every week. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> look, I know a lot of the Cena haters are gonna fucking hate me saying that, but guess what? It's the fucking truth, man. <laughs> he 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 showcased the other guys' talents in those matches. <laughs> but that's exactly what FTR did here with the Varsity Blondes. They showcased the Varsity Blondes' talents before putting them down. It's true. That's true. I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good segment. I really put over uh, Varsity Blondes. I'm not sure how prolific their tag team is going to be, but this showcasing really brought a lot to the table. So I'm really interested to see what those guys have to do because uh, everybody knows this is a, this is a startup tag team. It's not something that's going to have longevity. But one of those two people, either Griff Garrison or. Uh, I'm not sure going to be on um, Brian because I think Brian's still with MLW or something. So I'll, we'll see how that kind of pans out, really, because that's why he took the loss, I think. Well, I mean, regardless, you know, we'll, we'll see something from these guys. They're too talented to not see something from them. The only worry I have with AEW right now is because of their is their massive roster pool because they're bringing them from everywhere mm-hmm. that. A lot of people are going to be underutilized. Well, I mean, you still, that's why I have Dark for it too. And I think I know a lot of people don't watch Dark, but they're still being utilized. If, you know, if you're going to have that fan base, like I watch a lot of wrestling, but for some reason I just haven't got into Dark. I watch a couple episodes here and there, but they're far in between. And it's well, the big part of it is it doesn't carry over to the main roster. It doesn't, so it doesn't really matter. But you know what's weird? 
being the elite has continuity for Dynamite. So if you're really like a Dynamite fan, and I would actually um, ask you, so what? It, it drops every Monday. So when you watch the show on a Thursday, when our show drops on a Monday, or I guess not anymore, because this is the last episode of the year for 2020. But um, if you watch, if you want some continuity for your wrestling when it comes to Dynamite, there's so much continuity, and you get to see new things that are going to be played out on TV on Being the Elite. So, um, but not to our next segment, we have Alex Marvez in the back with Hangman Adam Page. They talk about um, they're going to have uh, Hangman Adam Page fight Private Party at Matt Hardy. Of course, this all stems from when they had that battle royal, and that um, you know Hangman Adam Page was eliminated by Matt Hardy, and the uh, Dark Order tried to save him up and. He's asking him who your tag team partner is going to be and who popped up? Who popped up? Oh, Silver. The legend of John Silver and Mr. Reynolds. They come up in cowboy hats and say, Yeehaw! We're going to be your partners. And Heyman Page is like, No. <laughs> He's like, No. So if not us, not then like, we're not going to be your partner. And then, you know, Reynolds is like, Well, if not us, I mean, who are you going to call? And then finally it dawned on him, and like, all right, well, you're pretty much right, because uh, I forgot that I'm not friends with those guys anymore. So, all right, whatever. It's a one-off. I'm not joining your stupid cult. We're just going to join on. And the sheer joy in John Silver and Reynolds, Alex frickin' Reynolds' face, like, yee-haw, and just right off into the sunset. The, these, that was the best. Absolutely. I fucking I, loved it. These guys are so entertaining, and it is so weird knowing like that they're Like, you want to hate them, and you want to hate them. But they're, knowing that they're a part of the Dark Order, and they're just so uppity. <laughs> they're so, so fucking happy all the fucking time. Oh, by the way, um, John Silver is the Being the Elite Champion. If you watch B, uh, BTE, they made their own championship, which, by the way... Have you seen the BT Championship? Uh-uh. It is more... It looks amazing. It's better looking than the TNT Championship, better than the AW Championship. Um, look it up on your phone if you want, though, but it's pretty freaking amazing. The BTE Championship. It is freaking amazing. And, of course, the best wrestler in the world, John Silver, has that title as of right now. <laughs> uh, I definitely enjoy seeing what we're seeing here. And uh, the Dark Order being, you know, a good... I, I, I really am looking forward to seeing how the Dark Order and Adam Page storyline comes together. Well, here's the thing. So back in, so I, I'm, I'm bringing up <clears throat> BT, B, uh, BTE because that's something that's an ongoing story. That's con- continuity. Um, I guess like came in Adam Page when he was going through his whole drinking thing, whatever crisis he was going through, whatever. Um, they had a chance. There was almost a chance. I think like he said that he went to the website, and he signed up, but no one called him, so he never joined the Dark Order. And like uh, Brody Lee and John Silver all pissed off that it, like he came so close to joining, but no one actually looked at his application. <laughs> so they're super pissed off about it. So now with Brody Lee being gone for whatever reasons, they never really explained it on TV. Yeah, that's something that's bugging the hell out of me. It's like part of uh, part of what made the Dark Order so menacing was Brody Lee. And I think because of his uh, his lack of leadership or lack of leadership of being there, that's why they're so scattered and being funny, or whatever. But at the same time, like if they were to possibly sign up or get Heyman out of page to join the ranks of the Dark Order and hang out with them for an extended period of time, and then Brody Lee comes back and sees him hanging out with them. They're going to feel like they did their best to recruit more people to the Dark Order, which is going to cause, of course, some power shifts between both Brody and Heyman Adam Page. We'll see. Um, but um, I think it'd be pretty nice to see Heyman uh, Adam Page, at least for a small stint in the Dark Order, because I think it'll be fun having a darker like character for Heyman Adam Page. He can still be himself, 
but having almost like a little darker edge to it. I think eventually, cool. it's like he gets to a point where he starts relying on the Dark Order. Then he starts leading the Dark Order. Pretty much. And then Brody Lee comes back. He's like, "Hell no, this is my fucking cult. This is my cult." And like, and, uh, and, yeah. And then much. you have, and then you have the Dark Order kind of being like. I don't know. I kind of like Adam Page. Listen, we kind of like Adam better. Like, if John Silver takes off and just him and just him and John Silver. I don't care about anybody else. Just bring him on because John Silver's an amazing wrestler. He's funny as hell, but he's also a great talent, too. Because, I mean, with Brody Lee, Brody Lee had the Dark Order, but it was all about showcasing Brody Lee. But with yeah, Adam was. Page, it would be more like they, they would be broing around. It would be a team. Yeah, he was the leader. But they were broing around, and the Dark Order could be like, "Fuck this, we like this motherfucker." We like this guy way better. He's so much work, <laughs> like, more. You're cooler. a dick to us. He's cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then the next match we had on here, we had um, number ten from the Dark Order versus the Natural Dustin Rhodes with Lee Johnson. I absolutely, uh, I'm. I was not expecting. Like I know I've seen number ten wrestle. But he's just a num- To me, he's just a number. You know what I mean? This is the weird thing too. Like this is this is the parallel I'm drawing from this. So when they first had the hierarchy of the Dark Order and, and like Brody Lee trying to get everybody in order, they made him out to be like the White Knight. You know, he was supposed to, he was supposed to be number ten, like the the flag bearer of the Dark Order. So my idea was like I my thought process was thinking that he was going to be some kind of bigger deal than he was. And then for a long time they did nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing with him. So I kind of feel your sentiment. It's like, okay, at first they try filling him up to be like number 10. Everybody was wearing dark clothes and he's wearing white. So it's like, okay, he was supposed to be the white knight of the, of the whole group. But yet, you never use that piece for anything to engage, to mm. uh, inflict discipline, to do anything. Like, no. I, 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 like Stu Grayson it's at like they, first. They brought, they brought Brody Lee in and just completely forgot about what they were doing with number 10. They, they did. And they brought him in and got that taken care of. But at the same time, like there's there was no rule or a hierarchy when it came to it. So it kind of threw me off. But here's the thing. So Dustin fights. Um, tend to go through this match, whatever. And obviously Dustin wins. Now at the end, the Dark Order comes out. And Evil Uno, who is so prolific on the microphone, comes out there and wants to recruit him. He's like, hey, in this world right here, in this business, the Rhodes name has um, has, a, has a totem pole. And you're pretty much at the bottom. You're the third important Rhodes on this fucking company. <laughs> that's that's right to the heart. It was, it was a cold fucking thing to say. It was a say. cold fucking thing to say. He was like, you know, when it comes to all the Rhodes out here, you're number three in the company. And, like, you should be number one. We can help you build you up. And then, like, um, he tries to attack him. And, like, everybody's trying to attack him. He's like, no, no. Oh, he says... I want you to be number seven. Why is that important? Do you remember this and why? I do not. I want you to be number seven. If you look up Dustin when he was in WCW during the Monday Night Wars, remember that character he had, that creepy one with a top hat and everything else, that with the white with the white mask. His name I, was Seven. Now, see, I don't continuity from back from WCW now back in 2020. If you look up Dustin Rhodes, so Goldust. From TNT to TNT. <laughs> from TNT to TNT. It was, it was a shitty character. But at the same time, the continuity and the fact that they drew back so much. So you have all these different weird numbers. One, two, three, four. And then like ten. But then seven was kept for Dustin? That's brilliant. That's great storytelling. If you really do your homework and like have Do we have a number effort. six? What's that? Do we have a number six? I do not know. I'll have to look up my dark... I mean, me and Vinny are pledged, but I'm not sure it was the last one we went to a meeting. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like, the continuity of having him... And if I, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. Um, his seven character, he asked him to be number seven. He's like, he's like, no. And he refuses and he punches Evil Uno. And everybody wants to attack him. Like, Evil no, no, Uno no. says, no. He's like, no, 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 no. He'll we come are to not his gonna, senses. We, he's going to come to his senses. Hey, listen, if you need us, you know where to find us. And left. I'm like, oh, my God. 
That's how you recruit that's right how there. You, that's, that is exactly how you recruit. You don't want to attack a person you want to join your faction. No. You let them come to their own decisions eventually because, you know, what, what's going to happen? At some point, he's going to need the help. He's going to need the help because the thing is, everybody kind of seems like they'll be falling on the wayside. Um, the elite broke especially, it off. Especially with so many factions in this company, you're going to get outnumbered at some point and you're going to need that extra help. Yes, you are. So, I mean, if anything falls for anything, but I think it was a good little seed to kind of like set a story up. So, we see like a video package. That part's going to be used. Think that about exact- that, though. Think about that, though. We're going to end up with Dustin Rhodes... Adam Page, and then Brody Lee. Damn. Uh, we're, this right here, if, if they all get to together and join together, and then the only one of them that's a true heel being Brody, Brody Lee. Lee. And then... Well, here's here's my here's my <clears throat> thought process. Cause eventually, he might do that, though, but this is what I'm thinking. The Dark Order is pretty big in itself. Like, Stu Grayson, I thought it was a bigger character than what he is right now. When he first started, he was a fucking beast. And he was prolific when he was doing it. And for some reason, he kind of took a backseat to what's going on. So with everything that's kind of happening in the landscape of AEW with the Dark Order, what's truly going to come to fruition is when Adam Page does get in there, he's going to take some people with him once he eventually gets out. So instead of like trying to be a faction for being the elite, he can he he start his own shit. Oh, absolutely! Like you could have you could end up having the whole Dark Order there, and then Brody Lee leaves, and you have some, and you have a couple of people who are loyal to Brody Lee go with him. Oh, you people- have a five. I don't know about six. six. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we can have a couple people go with Brody Lee who are still loyal to him. A couple people go with Adam Page, specifically Silver. And, yeah, Reynolds. Yeah, and Reynolds would could go with could go with Adam Page, and a couple people could go with Dustin, and you end up with three separate teams. Oh wow, they're coming all like... from off off from the Dark Order as the Dark Order falls apart. Oh shit! Did you know Alex Marvez is part of the Dark Order? Uh, I believe I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. No, because like it's it's on being the elite, whatever. It's like a backstage segment, whatever. But um, yeah, it's like he he's Dark Order AF, so it's good. <laughs> but yeah, the match so that was pretty good. Uh, let me see what we get on here. Tony Schiavone sits down with Brady Rhodes and Shakaroni. Talk about the history with Jade Cargill. What do you make of this Jade Cargill? Seriously, I don't see the hype around her. The only thing that makes her is like is she's talking down to to management and has the um. Association with Shaq. That's it. That's it. I that's mean, like, the only thing that's good. Now we haven't seen her really in the ring yet, so I will... I've, I've heard her talk, and she's not that great either. So no, she's she's literally just ego. That's all she is. And I'm ready to see what she can do in the ring. If she can do some cool stuff in the ring, then I'll get behind her. Yeah. So as of right now, it's kind of early to kind of say whatever. But this whole sit down and this is I, I kind of get I don't really, I'm not really a big Shakaroni fan. Um, you know, a lot of people loved him when he first came in. Blue chips. Um, you know the whole Orlando Magic and Lakers and I'm not see, I'm not a big fan of Shaq right now uh, as a wrestler uh, or as with wrestling company because he was supposed to have that wrestling match at WrestleMania with the with the Big Show and could not commit to shit. Like the only the reason Big Show didn't have a match at WrestleMania that year was because they were planning this thing between him and the Big Show, and he wouldn't commit to training, he wouldn't commit to planning, he wouldn't commit to anything. Except for the general. That's bullshit. And and because they were pl- trying to get it with Shaq, they didn't play anything for Big Show. Well, this is the thing that, that they kind of, I give kudos to him, because I never, like, again, I was never a big fan of Shaq. I don't think he was great at basketball. I mean, like, you know, he won a couple championships because he's a big man, so he played a big man position. But this is what I think about the whole thing. From that segment, it could have went down any way they wanted to. And the fact that he took a cup of water to the face, not supposed to be something else, maybe beer, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but Tony Schiavone's holding to that cup the whole time. Like, I don't think he was thirsty. I'm pretty sure you can put it aside, but he kept there as a prop. Yeah. <laughs> From all the angles he was using, he took a cup of face to the water on national TV. 
so we're going to be played on ESPN or whatever. That's a pretty bold move from Shaq. I mean, he didn't have to do that, and he did it. <laughs> yeah, he just sat there, and he just took it. And it was, it was great. Uh, that was, I mean, it was a great little moment there. It definitely put a little heat between this rivalry that they're trying to build. The question is, what are they going to do with it? I mean, I just think they want to add more eyes. So when they say Shaq, AEW, everybody's like, what's AEW? That's all it is. Right. And I think I would love to see this come to fruition. I want to see a match between Cody Rhodes and Shaq. I do not want to see anything. I want to see Shaq I, throw a free throw. I want to see the only thing I want to see Shaq do is okay, give look, away free Shaq. Shaq, ain't never, Shaq ain't never thrown a free throw. Exactly. <laughs> oh, he, oh he, he attempted. <laughs> he attempted a whole lot. The only <laughs> thing I want to see Shaq do is give away free coupons for Shaqaroni pizzas. That's the only thing. Is like, it's enter your your AEW hashtag right now and you get a free Shaqaroni pizza. Could you imagine that? Yeah, that's the only thing I want to see Shaq do. Other than that, though. I don't think Shaq really moves the needle. I don't think when Mike Tyson came out, they really moved the needle that, that much either. So I'm sorry. No, I, I want I want to see it, but I only want to see it because I want to see Cody build his giant killer um, streak streak going on here. I can see that. I can see that. This could be a big moment that they could get set up here. All right. So I gotta say, this has been one of my favorite segments on here. It's gonna be the segments of the inner circle coming out and Dylan what their daily grievances either put up or shut up. It's time for the ultimatum, inner circle style. It's like we're all together or we're all separate. There's no in the middle. And I, I, I this was interesting to me. Um, I, I, I kind of knew they weren't breaking them up yet. It was too early. But at the same time, I was like, I, I wasn't sure how they were going to go about this. And, ha- and forcing S- Sammy to shake MJF's hand. No, and- no, no, no. You missed it. What he said to him. You know you're like, better than he's him. Like, you know you're, he's like, you're better than him. And you know it. Now shake his hand. I'm like... They, oh they used God. MJF's line against him. I know. And it was great. And I, he's, I think, like, he's like, if you MJF, he's like, as a team, you're awesome. He's like, are you guys prolific to the team? Absolutely. As human beings, not so much. <laughs> and at the same time, like, you know. Um, he's like, I'll take it. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like, you're like you're like a fungus. You grow on me. Like you're a, still fungus. a fungus. And MJF was like, yeah, I'll take it. And he's like, you're growing like, on me. <laughs> you had Hagar and you had like Wardlow staring at each other. He's like, yeah, I got a problem. Like, I keep staring at me. He's like, you keep staring at me. Like, you know, it's like bickering little kids and then, um obviously with the same thing with a uh, sammy Guevara, which by the way sammy Guevara is going to leave the inner circle oh he's yeah gonna absolutely. Be a, he's gonna be a full-fledged baby face and i think it's gonna do wonders for the man I'm oh yeah but they're doing this right they're slow burning his leave of the inner circle of course and uh if they because if they rushed it it would fail miserably absolutely he's gonna have a lot of grievances and when he does leave the inner circle has to fully turn on him like evolution did for orton you know it has to be a full turn against him and when it happens, it'll be it'll be fucking phenomenal. Sammy Guevara will have nothing but growth from that moment on. I think so too. Either that, and like maybe like not only when they kick out Sammy G, Chris Jericho tries to come to his defense, and he gets kicked out as well too. It, it very well could happen, um, and that that would be the moment that MJF finally took over the inner circle. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen that way because I think at this point. Uh, uh, Jericho is more um, devoted to the team than he is to any of the individuals. That's true. I mean, especially seeing that stuff going on with like Sammy G, because Sammy G is like his best friend, pretty much on the show on air. You know, right. like he brought him in. They're doing all these crazy, crazy gifts and memes and dances, and I mean the uh, the uh, what's it called the Brady Bunch thing they had, yeah. whatever. Um, I mean, yeah, they're just fun, whatever. But I think they're still building it. That's that's the caption we saw from that night is going to play into a video that leads into the eventuality of. Not only uh, Sammy G, 
but Chris Jericho actually like leaving the inner circle. It's gonna be a big, beautiful package. It's gonna be amazing. And even with even what he said on there, he's like, you know, people are saying that you think I'm gonna take over. Sure enough, that's gonna be playing that package too. When yeah, it you, shows in the real. Yeah, you could have Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho both turn face at the same time. Exactly. It would be a beautiful move, and and once again, it would, Jericho has been a face before and done phenomenally at it. He can teach Sammy G how to do that, how to do it, and how and to make it right, and make the smooth transition from heel to face. No doubt. Because I, honestly, I don't know anyone who does it better. No, because you know, it, it, it's like seamless with them too. They make it seem so easy too. Because so. he doesn't have to change his character like no, at doesn't. all. No, 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 no. Because no, he's, he's, he's still an egotistical he's, asshole. He's still, he, he's <laughs> but at the same time, like, he can sit there and pull it off and be like, you know. How was I so blind this the whole well, time? It's like it's like Eddie Guerrero with the, he's like I lie, I cheat, and I steal, but at least I'm honest about it. <laughs> he didn't change his character; he just went a different route with the character. He was just more fun with it. He just brought a more of a smile to it. It makes you right. Like, make, make, make it, you it's, like, it's like he still cheated, but he did it in a funny manner. <laughs> so I mean, like, imagine the pop that's gonna have too when Jericho actually turns face. And like when he, they finally do like the Judas song, but he can actually like fully fledged get into it with the fans getting into it. That's gonna be fucking amazing. That's gonna be amazing. But like no, I thought it was a fun segment. It was one of, I think one of my favorite segments of the night for sure. Seeing all the bullshit and the shenanigans going back and forth, Absolutely. bickering, and everybody kind of putting a face just to kind of keep the inner circle together because obviously they're strong together. Oh, and, 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 and when they agreed to go to each other, they all flipped each other the bird. In the I middle. know that exactly. was beautiful. Yeah, that was. I mean, it's like, like, it's like we don't have to love each other, but we're here for each other. Exactly. So pretty much, and now we saw that prevalent too in the match we're going to see later on, but um. Next up, we had the Mad King. Obviously, someone got some inspiration from Thanos. Uh, Maddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade versus the Murderhawk, Lance Archer, um, Penta, and Ray Phoenix. Which, I'm not sure if you heard about this, though, but you heard that Penta got hurt before the match, actually. I didn't hear about that. Uh, he, he, he was it does it, it does definitely explain why uh, Phoenix and Archer were showcased a lot more in the match. Yeah, because when, when he first put him through the table, the reason why they had that spot is because uh, when he was training, he tweaked his leg muscle or something happened to his so leg. So they put leg. him through a table so he didn't have to go through more. Exactly. So what they did was, did you see the way he was, if you replay that, um, if you go back to the match and watch it, the way they picked him up and put him down, it was so gentle. Because I, I, I heard about it. And then when I rewatched it, I'm like, okay, I was trying to watch the spot and see how bad it was. And I saw, I was like, oh, that was really gentle. Like, it looks devastating because it's a fucking table. So whenever a table breaks, it's like, oh, no, that table's got a, that table's got a family. What the hell? <laughs> so you watch the whole segment. It's like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's crazy. But he was gently put in there, and they had all the officials come out there. And that's what you saw was prevalent with both Ray Phoenix and the Murder Hawk, which, by the way, I never thought I'd see the day where I was so happy to see Lance Archer turn face in the way he is and i like they're this pulling him. it off and he's still being that he's still being that powerhouse monster he is. but he's doing it like it's like i said he's being seamless it's a seamless transition but the thing is it, it, worked, it works better for him because the, the heel thing was not working for him and when he took that loss against well, cody yeah, he lost steam absolutely here's the thing with with him he is like the only reason he was able to pull off heel at all is because he had jake the snake fucking being the heel for him and then the thing is if you noticed i'm not sure if you want to during the match when he was doing all these like face kind of maneuvers and all these different kind of things, Jake the Snake Roberts was not loving it at all. Because Jake knows, like, you, you got to be a heel. You're not doing this right. You're being a heel. We're I think not, there's going to be a break-off. I think there's going to be a break-off between the Murder Hawk and Jake the Snake Roberts, which Man. is unfortunate, but at the same time, Jake the Snake Roberts has filled the narrative for the Murder Hawk thus right. far. I think Jake the Snake would be better as a uh, mentor for the Dark Order. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's... TK, if you're listening, take some notes. <laughs> TK, Tony Khan, I need you listening. Jake Snake Roberts, Dark Order, make it happen. 
It's like, it's just one of those deals where it's like, think about it. You have someone that dark already, gone through so much hell, and now he is the true leader of the Dark Order. And the thing is, he still wants to take down Caesar. He still wants, he still, he still wants to take down Cody. And the Absolutely. thing is, with all the potential with uh, Heyman Adam Page, with even Dustin. Oh, yeah. Dustin being a Dark Order and Jake Stick Roberts twisting, like, you know, like, you know, putting negative thoughts in his mind and going against his own family. That's a that's a seed of a seed. TK, get that shit written down. Uh, but like going <laughs> forward, my God, yeah, that could be. I mean, the repercussions of what could happen and what could be. It's uh, truly a testament. But um, back to Lance Archer. Wow, uh, who who thought like changing his hair blonde would uh, make him go uh, as if? Oh, by the way, I'm not sure if you noticed this, and this is for all our fans for AW. Do you know there's a heel and a face tunnel? What? So when you're looking directly at the TV, right? Okay, so if you're looking to the right, that is the face tunnel. If you're a heel, you come in through the left. I did not notice yes, that. Yes, yes. Someone brought it to my attention a couple weeks ago, and I started noticing. I'm like, oh, okay. It makes sense why people go a certain way. We go That's like the bad point. guys don't hang out with the good guys. They come in through different directions. They come in through different tunnels. Even when they lose a match or when they lose a match. When they win a match or lose a match, they go through that one tunnel. He's so like, we have a heel locker room and a face locker room. Y'all don't do shit together. <laughs> pretty much. So, um, And the thing is, which tunnel did Lance Archer come out of? The face. That's interesting. I was like, that is Fucking interesting. That is interesting as fuck. And when you see Eddie Kingston come out, where'd he come off? You can remember that one. Straight from the left. Stage right. There you go. And of course, then you have John Moxley. Where does he come out? Through the crowd. So Through the crowd. Matter. <laughs> so there's truly no good or bad in that. He's just like, straight like, like, I'm not coming from either side of it. So that's a narrative. So if you want to see who aligns with what side, just see what stage entrance they come out of. Easiest, easiest, easiest said or done. So um, the match is pretty good. Um, Murderhawk has grown exponentially through this match. I thought it was a good narrative to tell. Um, Penta, I hope you feel better. Get your legs, you know, uncramped up. Or yeah, because let's be honest here, you're one of the best in the business. And the thing is, we just we just got Death Triangle back. Yeah. We just got it. We got Pac. Speaking and of we, which, where the fuck was Pac? Why is, why is Archer working with them? I don't know what happened. I didn't really think of my dead sheets um, to really figure it out, but... And then now thinking about it, like, yeah, I do miss him. But the thing is, like, maybe he's picking his spots and, you know, like, um, what do they say about um, separation anxiety, pretty much, whatever, you know? You want to sit there and save it for small spots. He doesn't have to be there all the time. I'd love to be there all the time. Yeah. But when he does come out there, it makes it feel more special to but me, I, I guess. I, but, I mean, I get you. But at the same time, he made a big return and they brought back the death triangle. And then all of a sudden, Pac's gone. Well, that's probably what it is, too. Because, like, since he was injured before the show started, that's probably what happened, to tell you the truth. So... I'm not really sure what narrative that's, that's going to happen with it, but that could very well be the case that's going on. So, with that said, maybe with him being gone, maybe they'll use the Murderhawk temporarily? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Because, I mean, Murderhawk, Pac, and Phoenix? Wow. I mean, that'd be insane. You have and this then, big, towering monster. You have Well, I mean, and then you had Penna, and you have all four of these motherfuckers? Shit. That's a faction that's to a hell. That's a faction. That is a faction. Fuck Team Taz, because you guys ain't got shit on that fucking death triangle. It would be like a fucking a death square, or what do you want to call it? I don't care what you, you call can't it. Call, don't call them square now. <laughs> uh, exactly. No, but like, you know, whatever faction they start together, that would be freaking amazing, the Death dude. Diamond. Death. Oh, there you go, the Death Diamond. Oof, even better. Like it, I love it, I love it, I love it. So, let's see where we go up to next. So, uh, let's see... In the back, we have a segment with uh, Nala Rose and Jade are beating Red Velvet down into Serena Deeb and Big Swole stop them. Eva Lee and Diamante attack them from behind. I don't know about you, but I have no interest in this. I do not give two. And I mean, I feel the same way I, I feel about this the same way I feel about LeBron James. I don't give a fuck 
about the segment at all. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. It's it's this is one of those moments where I'm sitting here like you know, I'd rather see a, a what's a a ro- rose. What's her name? Not 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 not, not a rose, but uh the fucking Mexican girl. The champ. Huh? No, the uh, the one Serena with deep? No. no, 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 no. She's uh, Vicky Guerrero. No, not in this segment. She's not in this segment. Okay. Um, she's she was the uh, NWH Women's Champion. Oh, uh, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. I yeah. would love. Give me something with her. Yeah. I fucking love Thunder Rosa. And fuck, what's what's the 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 demon bitch we're gonna talk about Abaddon. here in a minute? I, I like Abaddon. Oh, you do? Uh, I mean, I, this was my first time seeing her in the okay, ring. Okay, okay, I've seen her this, before. Th- this right here was my first time seeing her in the ring, but I love the character. I think the I love the design. Good. I love the design, the, the the eyes, the contacts, and, and and the way she stays in character is beautiful. So that much I love. And this match wasn't a bad match. It was. I saw a match with her before, and I wasn't too impressed. I think uh, the character needs more work. I think like they should have some. So this is my my thoughts with Abaddon. Um, she needs a manager. She needs a manager. One, but number two, though, they need some dry eyes. And I think that's going to work a lot because the dry ice effect when it comes to her coming out, having that smoke effect, maybe some lights, maybe some pyros or something, or some flaming things or something like that. Because when she crawls over there, she spits the blood out, which is pretty cool. Um, I think it would be a, more of a cooler effect if you had some dry ice with that blood to kind of go around it because it's hot. Cut the lights. Exactly. Something. Because, I mean, it, it, she's kind of coming out like a Prince Devitt or like, um, not Prince Devitt, but... Um, Hell, the Fiend or the, the Boogeyman? Not the, not the Boogeyman, but like, uh, what's the, the Demon? The Demon that, from um, Finn Balor when he came out, right. you know? Kind of like the same premise, whatever, but kind of have some... You have more... You have something more to that character because you're building... Does it look scary? Yes, it does. With the different antics that she's doing. But having that entrance should be the key to her coming yeah. out. And, it, and I, I think she needs to spit that blood in people's face. Um, as much as she uses it in her entrance. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I, and the thing is, like, the match was okay. I mean, the person she went against, I mean, the girl has a 0-5 record, from what I remember. Oh, yeah, Mostly yeah, yeah, just yeah. fighting on dark, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this, was very much a, this was very much a squash match, and we knew it was a squash match. And when he was going to happen, you could tell by the fear from the wrestling. When she first came in there, um, she got her ass kicked, and then all of a sudden... Um, she comes out with the candlestick and um, hits her score across the face. And then all of a sudden she gets up like all Undertaker style, but looked way more creepier, which is pretty awesome. And she was like, okay, let's let's go fight another day. Pretty much. And this right here is a good... I mean, I, I, I'm a, I am a fan of Abaddon from this match. Okay? I haven't seen... Like I said, I haven't seen any of her other stuff. And according to Vinny, she's bad at the botching. I haven't seen it because, like I said, this is the first time I've seen her in a match. But I like where it is. I like the character so far. I, I think that she would do well with a manager, someone who can do a little bit of talking for her. You know, a Paul Bearer-esque, you know, something dark and cruel to right. lead her. Um, But for right now, what she's doing, I have no issues with it. Uh, like I said, I'll definitely withhold judgment for further matches and see how these I think, go. I think it's but, a smart thing. Cause I'll, I'll probably start once or twice, so maybe I was like too... Or too rash to judge her straight away, but I think they're trying to build her up now. So I'm kind of looking to see what kind of direction Abdon's going to go in. Hopefully, it's not just a one-trick pony show. So let's see where it goes with it. So I'm, I'm going to hold my reserves as well too until we see what happens. But um, squash match, she did came save the day. Um, she holds a candlestick, like facing a. To me, it looked like she was holding a like a holding a sword to an aging demon or a or a dragon or something. Like okay. I got out of here, but uh, I know I'm going to eventually have to face this person. So we're going to start seeing some wins from Abaddon in the next couple weeks and see how Sheeta kind of takes place. So um, next we had the helicopter flying down from above. Only to come out, we see Don Callis and Kenny Omega, the cleaner, come out. And oh my goodness, what an entrance. Has you, have you ever seen anybody come out in a helicopter straight to the show? Uh, Once. 
Once! Uh, who was it? Oh, God, somebody... Somebody ziplined down from a helicopter years and years and years ago. It was, it was a, I want to say it was a WrestleMania event. Okay. It was a big event. It, um, it might not have specifically been WrestleMania. It might have been a SummerSlam or something like that. It was. It, was, it might have been a Survivor Series. It was one of the big four. Okay. okay. And, but some one person came out and was lowered from the chopper. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I never see anybody coming from a helicopter. I've seen people come from private jets and from limos and from monster trucks and uh, a tank. Um, so we Milk had, truck. A milk truck, a beer truck, um, an ambulance, <laughs> a cab, um, you know, any other car you could probably think of, a limo, a, a limo hearse. with bullhorns, a hearse. So pretty much any other vehicle Eddie, you had. Eddie Guerrero's lowrider. Exactly. <laughs> a lawnmowers. Um, so you had them all pretty much. I mean, every kind of recreational, a, a motorcycle, a moped. Um, ATVs. So, ATVs. So you, you have a lot of different vehicles that were used for it, but never... I mean, I can't really remember anybody if it was... It wasn't a main entrance. Step. So, So to me... Him coming out in the helicopter was like this whole posh thing, right? Like, he's better than all. He's going to be the Kenny Omega that everybody should have been. This is the, the Kenny Omega everybody's been waiting for. I still think he's pulling his punches. He hasn't went full circle yet. We haven't seen everything from Kenny Omega that we're supposed to be seeing. No, so. we, just, we, we just saw one cheap shot and a bit of an attitude change. That's it. So we got some more stuff. In the, I got to say, I'm loving Don Callis. I am loving this cat so much. I think he's so awesome. He's been in the, he's been in the business for X amount of years, man. But this guy knows how to talk on a microphone. Bill and Kenny Omega up, sing some potential. He's known since he was ten years old, uh, working in the same company with um, um kind of like setting up the match between him and Jericho um in Japan a couple years ago before AEW started, planting the seeds for this very moment of him becoming champion and doing what he's supposed to do. So I mean. Don Callis and um, and Kenny Omega are, are are planting the seeds for what's going to happen now to Kenny Omega going forward. And my question is, how many things does Don Callis and Kenny Omega have planned for the next couple weeks? Not for John Moxley, but the whole entire, I guess, company of wrestling or the state of wrestling as a whole. Because they opened up the floodgates to Impact. NWA was open before. What's going to happen next? And how is Don Callis um, the mastermind that's kind of like the head mastermind with Kenny Omega for what's going to happen for the future of professional wrestling, especially in AEW and the other companies involved. Yeah. It's especially because Don Cows didn't even make an appearance with Kenny Omega until they started talking about impact. This is a combination effort here. They're trying to make a big deal here. They're combined doing a lot of work between these two companies. Impact is still somewhat of a major company. Somewhat. And it's not like it was. And let's be honest. Impact was never on the scale of AEW. No. But uh, it, it was it was but, long, it was when it was first on Spike TV many many moons ago. Like what AJ even, Styles and Samoa Even then, it wasn't. I, I wouldn't say it was quite this level. I get you right. And, um, it, like at, that, at no point was TNA Impact Wrestling considered a competitor with WWE. I mean, they tried. They tried, but it didn't happen. And AEW is being taken a lot more seriously because of one because of the money behind it. Two because of the they've got star power. They've got star power that you know. And it's not just old guys. They've got star power like Cody Rhodes and people who can still fucking go. Yeah. Yeah, Dustin, you got the Young Bucks, you got Kenny Omega, you got John Moxley, you got Matt Hardy. Yeah. Um, so you have like all these fantastic you know, and even, even the people in the back, you know. You know TNA, when Matt Hardy left, it was over. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like and they, they knew it too. And they 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 fucking knew it. And they they tried. But the thing is, like, that company has been so corrupt and so, like, in, like they pretty much shot themselves in the foot. They had the bet. I thought they had a good chance if they just, like, stayed original and did what they were supposed to do. But they did get away and tried to make it WWE light 
but nobody wants to watch WWE, so why are you copying them when yeah, you can't have your own product? See, that's the thing, what I like about AEW, is it's a good combination of Japanese style and American style. You get the WWE style, but you also get the Japanese flying and crazy antics, and you put them together, and you put give out a great product. And by the way, I gotta say this, when, you, when Kenny Omega came out from the entrance, what side did it come on? I can't fucking remember. <laughs> Stage right, our left to our camera screen. So when we watched it, I was like, oh man, he came in through left. Yes, he is a heel, folks. I mean, we knew he was a heel when he used that microphone, let's be honest. Yeah, he did. That mic hit, it was over. That was the turn. Yeah, talking about the gentleman's bet, or the gentleman's agreement they had or whatever. Um, no one kicks out of the one-wing angel. And the thing yeah, no been... one kicks out of the one-wing angel after you hit him in the head with a... <laughs> exactly. I've used the bead trigger to a guy like six million times. But um, he said that most his patent catchphrase, which I've been using for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks, good night, goodbye, bang. That's it. We have the cleaner. We have the cleaner girls out there, which I've never seen in my whole life before, so that's kind of a new one on there. So, uh, But now... With Kenny Omega out of the picture, we got that taken care of. Kenny Omega, oh, Kenny Omega, oh, he's the head of the table. It's Kenny Omega. That's right. <laughs> um, we have the main event. We have MJF versus Orange Cassidy. This was, I mean, it was a good match. Yeah, it was. And, um, I was not expecting it to be, especially with the um, with the inner circle surrounding. I honestly was feeling like they were going to fucking completely overtake Cassidy. Um, and I love Cassidy. I know a lot of people hate on Cassidy. People are like, he's shitting on the business. No. He took arrogance and made it a face gimmick. Why does he stick his hands in his pocket? Because you're not good enough for him to try. Wow. It's really? that simple. He's doing it. It's, he's, he's entertaining the fans. But he's saying, well, I'm, you're, you're not even making me bring out the efforts. Why should I? Like, I could beat you with both hands in my pocket. And he then he does. You know what's kind of refreshing? The fact that we're sitting here talking about Orange Cassidy, I want to hear about my dog Pockets from Vinny Bougie. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like, and, it, and when I explained this to Vinny the first time, he's like, okay, I can kind of see that. He didn't see that at first. And a lot of people are getting it. But when he wrestles a serious match, the hands come out of the pockets. All the time. Every time. Every time he gets serious, he straight out fucking out-wrestles you. And then he will out-wrestle you with his hands in his pockets. I've seen him do arm drags with his hands in his pockets. Yeah. I mean, the man can wrestle, and people want to sit here and talk shit about him, like, like he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. But he's doing this for a reason. It's a gimmick. It's a solid gimmick if you really pay attention. But the thing is, like, you have to really. I mean, the thing, the fact that he took something like this kind of gimmick and making it work. That's the beauty of it because you know, here in AEW, you're given the limelight to do whatever you can do on a mic. It's not scripted. Okay, so he's taking something that's not supposed to work. And it's working. And it's, it's working completely handsomely. over. And it feels like some people are pissed off. Like, why are you pissed off at the fact that this thing's getting over? You may not be all for it, but there's a lot of people out there who are loving this fucking gimmick with doing almost bare nothing. And the thing is, whenever he wants to wrestle, he will give it to you. But if it's not worth his time, it's not. So what's the point? What's the matter getting mad? So what? You have to sit there and waste a couple minutes? How many years of Raw did you watch that was garbage? How many years of SmackDown have you watched that was garbage? How many years of NXT have you watched that was garbage? Not, not that much. But at, the same yeah, time, same. But, but at the same time, like, you know, there's a lot of shows we watched that was horrible. I mean, everybody remembers, like, the Lashley thing, right? The Lashley and um, Sami Zayn with the sisters. That thing was garbage. But we watched it. 
Santina Morella was a woman. We watched it. Uh, it that was, was great. I don't care what you said. Oh, that was, was great. Okay, <laughs> we had, we had Santina. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, who was Vince McMahon's last son? Was Hornswoggle? That was the worst part. It should have been Kennedy. And then, it exactly. should have been. And not only that, though, we had an anonymous GM. Dude, we could run down all the failed attempts. They tried to make something great or fun. We lost hours. We lost days. We lost years of, of, of our lives, folks, on bad things. And you can't go through an orange casting cat. Fuck you guys. It's, it's like, it's, it, seriously, his, his matches aren't that horribly long mm-hmm. unless he has a big one. And those, he tears down the house. But only that, though. And the thing is, like, these little spots, I mean, I like him when he's using sparingly. Now, don't use him every week, because it was a while he was using a week after week after week. Well, he was also not in real matches. He was doing exactly. them outside of the match. Pretty much. So, like, when it came to that, it was fine. But, like, you know, you can't use it all the time. You can't be a one-trick pony. And the thing is, like, he showed that he could go. He went against Pac. He went against Jericho. Um, big people in a company. And he brought them to their limits. Every one of them. He beat Jericho. It's not just flying around. He's not just doing stupid shit. He, the man can wrestle. The man is sitting there. He's a master fucking technician, man. He and, is. and it's it's one of those deals where, like I said, he took arrogance, which is literally all it all his character is, and made it a face gimmick. You know what's weird about his match too? Like they just had that ultimatum just a couple segments ago, right? And there's match. You can see the solidarity. Of the inner circle. Like, it paid off. Like, within a couple segments. Just a couple segments. Everybody shook. And, like, it shows that they hold their their their, their word. Their bond, pretty yeah. much. They're, they're like, look, we might not like each other, but we're going to be a team. We're going to be dominant. And this is what we have to do to make that happen. Exactly. And they, they, they proved just that, though. When someone's thrown out, they threw them back in. And it was opposing teams. Now, we did get some more people finally jump in to help out with Orange Cassidy. But who's the one who took out Orange Cassidy himself? Miro! I'll tell you what, though, you will come over my house and screw up my arcade machine. You will touch my PlayStation and break something. Expect not to have some kind of repercussions. You and your affiliates who's associated with you. Damn right, Miro. The, Miro is the best. Miro's number one. That's right. It's Miro Day. <laughs> man, I miss him, man. I'm, I'm just glad he's here. I'm not really digging this whole thing with the um, him and... Um, Whatever. Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian. I am not feeling that. Uh, I like Kip Sabian. Kip, Kip what? Sabian needs to be on his own. Yeah, he does. I don't um, think Miro should be associated with him at all. I think yeah, Miro needs to be. I mean, I get that they're trying to bring out some more of his real personality, but at the same time, the man's a brute. He's man. a brute, man. Just bring it out people. of him. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Have him have fun in the back a little bit. You know, have him goofing off and like. But when he gets in that ring, it's all fucking. Like, Exactly, it's, it's, it's all business. You know, go on BT, do some jokes on there, do your own YouTube channel, or do your own Twitch, whatever you do. For That's the great thing about AEW; they will let you do exactly. it. Exactly. So <laughs> I'll watch, I'll subscribe, but when you get that ring, I want to see that fucking brute because that's the that's the brute. Like, even though you were imposing brutes, you were still fun. It's like I'm not saying I'm not it's saying Rusev Day. Yeah, I'm not saying go back to being the no talk, uh, the no talk exactly. at the beginning. Bring your personality, yeah, but but you still I want to see that powerhouse. I want to see those fucking the, those big ass super kicks that people actually look like they hurt. Exactly. You know, I want to see him doing the the uh, the running the running back senton. You know, the stuff that he did that made him a big dude that dominated and it looked good. Yeah. And I'm not seeing that from him in AEW. I mean, I get that they are making him win, but it's not the same. It's, I, it's not. not it's not the powerhouse. Down. It's not the style that I grew to love. I was it, when Rusev had that big ass streak, and there was like, who's gonna beat it? Who's gonna beat it? I was one of those. I was like, this motherfucker is doing phenomenal. He's putting on great matches with these big dudes that these big dudes don't normally have good matches. Exactly. 
And so I'm like, I was like, this is something that needs to happen. So I, th- I think what's going to happen more of this. I think, I, I mean, I, I want to see some more, some good shit. That's it. <laughs> but I mean, like, the thing is with Miro, I think like, I hope this kind of catapults and like kind of jumpstarts his AW career in the right direction because so far the way it's been treated, I don't think he's, they're really thinking things through of how they're, they're going to use him at first. They just brought him on, they just brought him in to bring him in. They're which, using him, they're using him as nothing more than K- Sabian's friend to back Sabian. Pretty much, and then and once that once that once that partnership is done, which by the God, it better happen sooner than later. Um, I want to see Roos or I'm sorry, Miro, um, you know, actually do something and kind of have his own accolades, have his own. He doesn't need Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian needs him, and Kip Sabian needs to keep kept away. That's it. And, you know, and what's when they do the storyline, he has to realize he doesn't need Kip Sabian. He needs to be like. You've been holding me back. You've been back. holding me back. Exactly. That's 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 the thing. I came in here. We we're friends. We bonded over the same things. But it looks like my passions have got the better of me. And uh, I was, I was like, our our, uh, our our needs and wants are not aligning together. Exactly. It's like you know we have the same the same hobbies, the same kind of like passions when it comes to not being a wrestler. But I'm a wrestler first and a gamer second. And it seems like I took the wrestler part on the backseat because I've been gone for quite some time. But you know what though? I finally woke up. I'm back to where I'm supposed to be at. Game over. It's done. Hey, using the game over line would be great as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So that way you can still have the gaming thing. It's still like a, a gaming reference at the same time. Like it's, it's game over if you keep saving. We're done. No extra lives. No continues. That's it. And they could have a, they could have some teardown matches as the rivals against each other too. Sabian's not bad in the ring. Oh, he's not, but like he hasn't been emphasized so far. He's been no. he's been used as like a cannon fodder for him and his girlfriend or his wife now. Whatever. Yeah, and, and they're using and they're using him for little cheap ass stuff with the best friends. And I want to see some I want to see some fucking anger, knockout, knockout drag out fights, whatever. Something right. that have some kind of like basis. Give some me kind some of real t- emotion, man. But like we haven't seen anything from Kip Saban that kind of. Draws I want to see some him. aggression. But like, I want I want to get invested in Kip Saban. But you got to show me something to get invested. Miro, I've been invested since WWE. I want to get invested with them now, so now's the time to either shut up or put up, or put up or shut up when it comes to these kind of scenarios. So I want to see what he can bring to the table. I know he's got a lot to give. I just want to, I just hopefully they get their collective minds together and get there because I think everybody who's a fan of Miro or Rusev in the past want to see him succeed in yeah, AEW absolutely. and actually bring the company to a higher standard. So we'll just kind of have to hope and uh, hope and wait and see what, uh, you know, not even right now, but for 2020 holds for uh, Miro. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those, and I, I think a big part of this is Miro himself. Mm-hmm. I think he's sitting here like, WWE limited my talk time, limited my uh, personality for so long. He's trying to bring out too much of his playful personality, and he just needs to realize, don't get me wrong, his personality's great, but he needs to have that brute mixed in with it. Like when Undertaker went uh, went did the American Badass, he was still the dead man. Right. All right. He didn't. He didn't separate things. Yes, the American Badass was more of Mark Calloway, but it was still the dead man. He was still the monster. He was still big evil. Right. Of course. And, and Miro needs to realize he needs to. He can be this new character, but he has to have a little bit of the Bulgarian brute there with it. And that's what I want to see too. To see how, how kind of everything kind of like takes shape um, when it comes to the company, because um, you know, me being the godfather of AEW for this podcast. Um, bringing these people in together, um, kind of helping you guys along the way, trek through the first couple weeks or couple months of uh, getting these people associated. You guys know who everybody is now, and we want to see this company succeed. Um, we're all big fans. Uh, Desmond's a big fan, and he's been following. Now he's like the, the so-called respondent, which, um, I don't know, man. I can't wait to see next year because I heard there's some crazy talk about what's going to happen to both uh, NXT and AEW for uh, 2021. I mean, at least for a podcast. 
I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I haven't heard much about, you know, what's going to happen next year for the podcast, but I'm definitely looking forward to anything we got going on here. That was the, uh, wait, wait, we got, was that the main event? That was the that, main event. That was the main event. So, All right. Uh, so, so would you, I mean, would you recommend this episode of AEW to both people who watch wrestling and the people who don't watch wrestling? Would you, would you give it a thumbs up or thumbs down? This is, a, I feel like for the most part, this is a good match. Like this is a good episode uh, because it showed both the, it showcased the matches as well as the backstage uh, drama. That pro wrestling is a drama, no matter exactly. what anybody says. It's on TNT. They know drama. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's like we've said it before. Pro wrestling is the men's equivalent of a soap opera. That's exactly what it is. I mean, like we, I've come to realization, and, and like I always have a discussion with Vinny. I don't know why I watch wrestling, but I'm engulfed in it. I can't get away from it when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to watching videos, when it comes to trying to follow different wrestlers from the indie scene, trying to catch up on different promotions. I am literally infatuated with a stupid product for men wrestling in underwear. I don't understand why, <laughs> but I do, and I just can't get away from it. Like the taunts, the way they talk, I mean, how they, they live their lives. I'm engulfed. I'm not a super fan. I don't have like posters and all these different crazy things, but I love this stupid thing called wrestling, and I don't know why, but... I, I, to me, it's I I appreciate the art. That's so what it I. is to me. It's like there there's artistry in, in in the words that are used. There's artistry in the in, in the choreographing of the matches. Exactly. Uh, it, it's I love seeing all the different styles. It's like we with any other art. There are so many different styles of it. And the and to me, the the artistry of pro wrestling is just a beautiful thing to me. It is. I, I mean, I, it goes like from like building character from. Uh, trials and tribulations of falling down and getting back up, the comeback story, um, you know, the heels getting their coming up and um, the betrayal, you know, the form, the formation of a group, the breakup of a group, you know, all these, all these time tested um, theories of how people come together, then fall apart and come back together later on. It's just, it's a great story and it's a never ending story. That's the best thing about wrestling. You might watch your favorite TV show, like, you know, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You could watch um, Lost. You could watch all these different shows, but there's an end to it. Breaking Bad. Fantastic shows. Um, all these, uh, The Walking Dead. Fantastic, well-written stories. A big one right now, The super, Supernatural. Just Supernatural. 15, 15 years. years. 15 years, which I cried at the end. I, don't I think, haven't finished uh, it yet, so no okay, spoilers. So, uh, anyway, so 15 years. Wrestling's been on for a long time. Continuity storylines go on and on and on. The, it's like the wheel keeps spinning. The spokes on the wheel get changed from time to time, but the wheel's going to keep spinning. That's the great thing about pro wrestling is, yeah, it's like with all these other shows, you've got the same main characters. The main characters in wrestling change. Yeah, they do. And, they, and it's like you'll see the growth of them from nobodies to being a big star. And then you'll see uh, them... Uh, become uh, you know slowly wear their way down and and fade out while new stars arise and it's constantly changing the landscape is always different and we get different styles that become big in different time periods and it's absolutely beautiful and it's pretty cool to get it kind of reminds me of comic books in a way like you know when you grow up like you know I, i'm 40 years old so the comic books i read growing up you know the characters were all like you know wholesome and and once i get in my teens they start getting more edgier and deal with real life things, but the thing is, like those storylines never end. Even if they, even if a person dies, they don't necessarily die forever. When you have a different writer come in there, they're given a, a rebirth, a different. They get retconned sometimes. So you have all these continuity stories that they fall back from the original origin stories and make something anew. Uh, you have a person who was like, you know, that one time when Captain America, when he was actually a Hydra agent the whole time. 
freaking amazing. Um, you have like you know um, uh, Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four, which is one of my favorite stories. That and um, Batman: uh, Court of Owls, amazing storytelling. But the thing is, Batman's story has been told for such a long time. You have to bring something new and everything else. And recently, the storyline's been getting amazing. So we grew up with this rusting thing. Yeah, that's that's why we love it. It's it's the thing I love and hate the most because I love it so much and I hate it because sometimes when it's stupid, it's stupid. When it's good, it's fucking good. I love it. It's 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 an infatuation that not a lot of people ever understand. It's like we're like Trekkies in a way. We're a, a very niche group, and if you love it, you love it. If you hate it, you, you can't watch it. And something I've noticed is wrestling fans are a lot like Star Wars fans. You're right. The, uh, it's, it's, like, it's, it's mainstream. It's everybody knows about it. You know, you can. You know, it's one of the. Let me. It's like it was like. Wrestling fans, they sit there and they will love. Uh, they, they will sit there and they will continue to watch everything and buy into everything and hate on it online. It's very true. That's very true. They, it's like they, we love what we we love what we love until it's not what we want it to be. Exactly. And, and then, which to me, I'm sitting here like, because I'm both a Star Wars and a wrestling fan. I'm like, I'm like, if y'all don't fucking like it, shut the fuck up and let us enjoy it. <laughs> people just want to bitch online, and people are just trolls behind. Like, you know, they're they're mad at life, and they want to sit there and like make other people miserable with them. So that's just like the folly of man, pretty much. But um, I can't believe I'm gonna do this. I haven't did this in a long time. We got your AEW rankings for December 9th, 2020. And, folks, this is going to be the last rankings of the year until we bring it back next um, next year, I guess. Or I'm not sure what the timeline is, but unless folks, It'll come don't back worry. eventually. <laughs> yeah, but eventually when it does come back. But this is the AEW rankings, AEW rankings. Your current world champion, Kenny Omega at 8-0. Your TNT champion, you got Darby Allin. In number, number one rankings, we have John Moxley. Number two, we have MJF. In third place, we have Cody Rhodes. In fourth place, we have Cage. And in fifth place, we have Ricky Starks. What? I love Ricky Starks being up this high on the rankings. Uh, he, he 100% deserves it. He reminds me of a young rock. Yeah, he does. And and he, they're, they're building it up. They're building him up. He's, got the, ca- like he's, he's got the cadence. He's got the personality. He's, he's got, got the, the in-ring work. It is beautiful. Now he's working it, man. I, I'm like it. I'm, Ricky Starks has been truly a gem. I guess when he first got signed into AEW, I guess like when he got the contract with AEW, WWE contacted him the day he got signed with AEW. Did you know that? Oh, I, I, I can definitely believe it. I didn't know it, but absolutely. I can't believe they missed out on that. But I, you know what, though? I'd rather have him my product because he's only make my product, our product, so much, that much better. better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So those are your men's rankings. Now, for your women's rankings, your current champion, my girlfriend, Hikira Shida, is your current world champion. Number one contender for her championship is going to be Big Swole. Number two, you have Nyla Rose. Number three, you have Serena Deeb. Number four, you have Penelope Ford, who seems like she's been there for at least six months straight. And in the last place, we have Abaddon, which we could see finally some changes here. She's finally on the rankings, and I, I, like I said, if they, if she keeps if her matches get better and she's not botching like she was, uh, like Vinny says she was, then I will gladly well, get behind. This Abaddon. is what I'm gonna see right now. You see a record of five and one. I want you to start seeing in the next couple of weeks. Um, not only what's gonna be on Dynamite, but she's actually fighting on Dark a lot too. So I'm pretty sure that she's gonna win a whole bunch of matches on Dark as well. Yeah, too. her numbers are gonna spread. Her, her numbers gonna are gonna so like every week she's gonna jump up by two points. You're gonna start seeing that going forward. Um, last but not least, you got the bread and butter of AEW. You got the tag team rankings. We got your tag team champions, the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt Jackson. And the number one contender for the tag team championships, you have Dax Harwood and Catch Wheeler, FTR. 
Number two, you got the best friends in Trent and Chuck Taylor. Number three, you got Jurassic Express with Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Luchasaurus. Number four, you have the Natural Nightmares and QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes. And last but not least, one of my favorite tag teams, the Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson. Well, I mean, I wish Alex Reynolds and uh, John Silver was there. But, but they're you know, not really wrestling enough as a they're team. They're not wrestling enough. They're just more for hijinks as and of right, right now. now. And I'm really kind of bummed out about how little we're seeing uh, uh, Luchasaurus and uh, and Jungle Boy wrestle right now. Um, Jurassic, Jurassic Express, to me, it was one of my favorite tag teams because I love Luchasaurus, man. The man can fly. The man can run. He's a powerhouse. He's got it all. To me, Luchasaurus is the guy in this company that truly has it all. He does, and the thing is, like, I think what needs to happen with that, and I, I kind of share your sentiment on that, on that, the same way we had um, Lance Archer do the face turn, and they, it's really doing numbers for him, I think he should break away from Jurassic Express, and like, I'm not saying he should be a full-fledged heel, but just either become a fa- become a heel just to break away from Lucha, from Lucha Express and build himself as a monster, and then pull that trigger to make him a face again. Um, I just need him to get away from Jurassic Express. I love Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I don't care for um, whatever Marco Stun is. Um, yeah, but I, I like, like his... Marco Stun because he's an, he's entertaining. He the is, man is entertaining. He, he, he is entertaining. He is, and like I, I know I know I shit him quite a bit um, when it comes to it. But the the truth be told, I just need Luchasaurus to break away the same way I need to see Trent break away from Chuck T from Best Friends. I um, I think Lucha uh, both both Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy would do better as singles competitors. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. The same way I believe that uh, the only one who would lose out in that in that setup is Marco Stun. Yeah, because he's got nowhere else to go. And, I I think he I think he'd fare well in the Dark Order. Marco Stun. Yeah, it's like well, hell. I just lost the only two friends I had, and the Dark Order picks him up. Like you've got talent. Because he does. Marco Stint is very talented. Well, he is. He's just a small dude. But the thing is, like, there's strength in numbers, and that's something he needs is strength. Yeah, absolutely. So with that said, I mean, that's, that's a selling point right there. So if you bring up a different faction between the Brody Lee branch, the Dustin You, know, you realize, we, we're just like, you know, half the roster just needs to join the Dark Order. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's not really that, though, but I mean, I just want some breakaways, like Trent's. Well, I mean, the, like I said, if the Dark Order were to split, you'd have decent factions still there. Still there. So you still have some kind of, like, you know, notoriety and everything else where... Like, Hangman and Page could be, like, the light side of the Dark Order, where, dark, you know, the dark, well, yeah, Adam dark pa- side. Adam Page would do, that. he would create another He would create another faction where he was leader. It would no longer be the Dark Order. They would left the else. Dark Order. And then and then you would have Brody Lee and, uh, and, and fucking uh, Dustin Rhodes both saying, you know what? No. We're the leader of the Dark Order. This is the real Dark Order. That's not the Dark Order. This is the Dark Order. Right. And right. you could have them doing their own kind of thing. Uh... So it, it, I think that itself would work out really well. But I mean, like, there's so many different possibilities. It looks like you know, the landscape of wrestling has changed drastically. I think in the past couple of weeks, especially with this, a lot of people don't want to admit to it, or maybe people understand it though. But um, this whole opening of doors for different factions, for different promotions, is only going to elevate AEW more because not only do people watch AEW right now more than NXT on a Wednesday night, but now having that concept of Who's going to jump over to AEW? Who's going to be on TV? Who's going to be with them, even if it's only for a couple of weeks? It doesn't matter, but the thing is, like, it keeps you hanging on saying, what's going to happen next? And that is the key to making must-see TV for one. And also, night. you have new matches every week. You have exactly. new people. And that's that's the great thing. It's like, WWE, they've got the same people because they don't work with anybody. That's the thing. You so, know who's on their roster. So we start seeing this formula that's going to be tried and true, and it's going to bring some ratings in there. I mean, how far along is WWE going to be there and try to sit there and try to open their gates? But when they open their gates, I think they burn too many bridges to a point where they're going to not allow it. 
I mean, I, I think that people are like, no, nah, we don't. I don't know because I think WWE has one advantage in that point, and that's because so many people watch them every week that it can make some big stars out of these indie guys. It's true, but at the same time, WWE has also has a habit of not of, letting people from outside promotions come in and beat their superstars because they're right, so prideful. But you can showcase them in a way like you have a. Uh, what you'll do is you'll have a. You'll bring in this guy, this big dude, or this uh, this great star from another promotion, and you'll have them in a tag match with this other guy that you're trying to push. Okay. So you bring this guy in, you showcase them in this tag match. Like I got this friend. He's not from here. He's not signed to WWE. And he comes in and they whoop ass as a tag team for a for a couple for a couple of weeks, and he's like, "All right, I gotta get back to my show. I get back to my show. and then you draw ratings to both of them. I mean, you could kind of do that, but I think it's like I'm not sure they're gonna take that that step into it. We see a It'll, tried and it, true kind of thing until until, a, until AEW starts really catching up to the main roster shows. We're not. I don't think we're, we're not too AEW. far away. Uh, we're, we're, we're not too far away from Raw's numbers. I mean, Raw's still getting bringing in at least a million and a, a million to a million and a half people. But, but we got like. Nine, nine, uh, 900,000. 900, so we're almost at that million mark. And for a t-shirt company, which I love to say because John fucking hates it, fucking hates hearing it, 997,000 fucking people tuning in to a Every show. Every week. Every week? Now, is it consistent? No. It goes up. It goes, it's a teeter-totter. You know, one week it's good, one week it's bad. And the thing is, like, now people find out the thing was there. Oh, boy. It's coming um, up. It's coming up. And, like, you know, the talks we had earlier about possibly bringing a CM Punk kind of like superstar him over there that only the great thing about CM Punk is he's still young enough that he can go yes he can I think it'll bring a lot of eyes so I mean imagine having all these people I mean people complain it's XWE but where are they gonna go man if you're from WWE you made it to the top of the mountain you left because either from being furloughed and people have started because they were I mean if you made it big if you're a big name or you feel like you weren't being utilized right you weren't being utilized, but at the same time, if you were burned by a company, if you're a top star and have a history, everybody knows about CM Punk's story. Yeah, it's like when when Stone Cold left WWE, uh, when when he was told, "Oh, you're you're going to have this match against Brock Lesnar, and you're going to lose in the first round of this turn uh, of this tournament." He's like, "Well, then I'm not going to show up." At that point, where was where was Stone Cold going to go? Exactly. Yeah, uh, if AEW was there, motherfucker yeah. could have let walked out, signed with AEW, and. Vince would have been like, "Oh fuck!" Exactly. That yeah, you know, it's like this right here provides a provides um, top tier stars another place to go. Because let's be honest, I know a lot of people didn't feel like it, but Moxley was a big fucking star. That was yeah. a big name, man. Yeah. And he signed over, and he got pissed off. He, he left on. He actually left on fairly decent terms. That's the weird thing too, because like they expected him. That's the thing, though. He told thought... him I'm not signing. <laughs> what? He told them I'm not fucking signing. Whoa, and, that, they, and that's why they gave him that goodbye match, you know. But uh, they, but they, they did that in a way they're like, you can, you can always come back. Right, hoping that he would, because his wife still worked there. So yeah, absolutely. Um, take some time to kind of like you know heal his wounds, get his mind right, and think about this: AJ Lee joining AEW. Oh my god. I mean, if she's there, he's there. You know, you know. You oh, no, know. I mean, she she stayed with WWE for a while after he left. Well, contractually, that's correct. But at the same time, like you know, if AJ Lee was to sit there and jump into AEW, because I mean, she could she could still be interested in joining a lot. He, she might be easier to sign than he is. I think so. Uh, she because she might be willing to come, you know, come in just because she sees a great. Well, she sees a lot of potential in the women's division. Well, think about it this way, right? So she jumps in first. So there's talk. It's swirling. CM Punk's as soon as she comes in. CM Punk, or welcome back, whatever. If she gets on there 
that talks to CM Punk is already going to be there. So everybody's going to start watching just because she's there, but also to the person that she's married to. So there's going to be talks. You're going to listen. You're going to watch every. Because God forbid you're a CM Punk fan, you don't watch you don't watch Dynamite, and as the night he comes out. There's no freaking way. Oh, hell no. No, absolutely not. I, I, I don't want to miss this fucking debut. I had fucking Sting ruined for me because I didn't watch that live. I watched it the I watched it a later day. Oh, no way. And then, and then uh, Vinny calls me. He's like, dude, are you watching AEW? Thank God. That's how he started this conversation. Oh, wow. He says, dude, are you watching AEW? I was like, no. Uh, so I'm laying in bed, man. I'm exhausted. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. He said, how bad do you feel about spoilers? Based on your tone, don't say a goddamn word. <laughs> Right, yeah. because that's gonna be a big. That's the thing. So I, and, and, and then, but then I, the next day on Facebook, yeah. before I could watch it, it was fucking all over Facebook, and I was like, "Shit, I missed Sting's debut in AEW, and it's ruined for me." Yeah, that happens. But, um, ladies and gentlemen, that was our show. That will conclude the podcast for a year. We've done Livid Plus. Bringing AEW up to speed. My little birdie's out there. Don't worry. We'll feed you some more. We'll have some content for you. So even though you want to hear our melodious voices, you just got to be patient. Work with us. You'll get to see our beautiful faces on TV. Hooray. You'll be seeing us play in some D&D. We're going to be nerding out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm like, oh, technically that's a hexagon. I'm going to sit there and throw my dice on the floor. <laughs> oh, who does that voice, by the way? Where, where the fuck did they get that voice from? I have no idea. And that's and always the voice. It's like, well, I'm going to play some D&D. <laughs> yeah, and, it's like, and then you get the real people playing D&D. And it's like, you got the jock playing the goddamn uh, playing the goddamn Goliath fucking barbarian. It's like, oh, there's something for everybody, man. It's like the jock's the fucking DM. How are you talking about? It's like, you know. Yeah, it's no, like, not usually. The jock doesn't usually DM because that's a lot more work. That's true. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, it's 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 fun for everybody. But Absolutely. There's something for everybody in this game. So, ladies and gentlemen, it was fun talking to you for uh, this little, the last segment. Um, I guess the last voice you will be hearing will be um, John Tumlin uh, representing for uh, NXT. And I guess Vinny Bucci's doing a show. Oh, no, it's no, it's John and Rannon, right? I believe, yeah, I believe That's John right. and so, um, NXT this week. So, for this week, I hope you enjoyed this segment. Uh, have fun. Take care of each other. Um, Obviously, it'll be made better by Rannon's per- presence, you know. Obviously, obviously, it's always gonna be a fun little thing. It's fun to have her show because you know it's like one of those things. Like you know, she's not on all the time, so so it's on. It's fucking sweet. So um, we thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to to like and subscribe. Share with your friends who are like minded, who love professional wrestling, who love AEW. And of course, you can find my music at www.facebook.com/slash/desmonddagenhart. That is D E S M O N D D A G E N H A R T. And you cannot find me anywhere because I don't want you to follow me at all. Don't like or subscribe to any of my stuff because if you add me, I'll find out who you are. And if I don't know you, I'm going to be like, decline. I'm not a dick. I just don't like people. You know how many friends I have on Facebook right now? Five? Ah, uh, 55. <laughs> and it, that, that's like literally like close friends and family and people have like, to be I friends with. I know that with. I'm actually one of your friends on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but I think it's like I have like people like that, you know, like for my friends, like my wife. She's got a whole bunch of cousins and, you know, family, whatever. So I'm friends with them. Um, same thing with my, you know, with my brothers like, and sisters. Whatever. I think I've got right around three or four hundred. And I always uh, try, and, th- and they're all friends and family, and it's close friends and family. I just don't want to have a lot of people. Like even for people from work, I'll add people from work, and I'll be like, "It's been a month or two. I haven't liked any of your shit." So delete, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, unfriend. And it's the easiest thing too. I just look at it and say unfriend. And you know, every once in a while, I just go out there and like, it's like one of those Survivor Series. Who's gonna survive Elvis's friends list this week? Let's find out on. Are you my friend? And and to be fair here, I haven't always survived that. He has deleted me once or twice. Well, there's well. It, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. Sometimes I do like to like I do like to delete my Facebook. There, that's probably one of the reasons why everybody gets taken off because 
I go through a crazy mode where I just hate getting notifications. So what do I do? I just delete the whole damn thing so I won't get shit anymore. And what happens within a month or two? I just delete notifications. Hey, you want to be? I'm like you. I'm like you want to be my friend again. <laughs> Elvis, since you're a friend request. <laughs> <laughs> But, start, uh, I'm gonna start sending you that uh, $35.99 uh, reconnection fee. <laughs> I don't need to be your friend that, that hard, so it's fine. <laughs> um, I barely got Zach back on there, so. <laughs> it's Tell me, I get that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we love you, redhead. I mean, you're you're a crazy <laughs> bastard, but um, you know, just give Mitch a, a, a relaxing time, okay? But anyways, guys, it's been fun. Listen to part two. We do have NXT come up next. Good night. Goodbye. Bang. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Talk to you whenever the fuck we get back on this shit. Peace.
Hello, and welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song Foolish Pride by Travis Tritt, but of course, that was not Travis Tritt actually singing the song. This was a cover done by Boochcast singer-songwriter Desmond Dagenhart, and you can check out more of Desmond's music by going to facebook.com slash Desmond Dagenhart, D-E-S-M-O-N-D-D-A-G-E-N-H-A-R-T. Hit the like button. Make sure you message him. If you have a song request you'd like to uh, give to Desmond, if there's a song you want him to cover, let him know what it is, and he'll make a cover video for you. Um, also, this song was uh, inspired by his uh, sister Elizabeth, who kept asking him for more videos. And also, a friend of his named Tanya is a big Travis Tritt fan. So for Tanya and Elizabeth, Desmond put this uh, video together. And I'm letting you guys hear the audio version of it here on the Boochcast. So make sure you guys check out Desmond's music. Also, as Desmond uh, mentioned before uh, in the previous um segment he talked about uh wanting to do music for a living so if you want to book desmond to perform at whatever event you have if you own a bar or a restaurant and you want desmond to come perform if you got a birthday party or a big event and you want to book desmond for that event go to that facebook page send him a message and uh Y'all can work out a deal and uh, have Desmond come perform at whatever event you got. As I mentioned before, he's a singer-songwriter, so he has cover songs, but he also has original material that he has written. It is fantastic. He is an incredible, incredible talent, and I hope you guys enjoy his music. And as you guys can clearly hear, I was not in the previous AEW segment, and that is because I was off doing the uh, the Christmas party performance. It is now, um, at the time that I'm sitting in front of you, is the day after that Christmas party event. But I was not able to take part in the wrestling recaps regardless. So you heard Elvis and Desmond on that segment. And now you're about to hear John Tumblin and Rhiannon Mojaleski recap NXT. So stick around for some great NXT action. And that was Desmond's version of Foolish Pride here on the Boochcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back this week for a, uh, well, special, yet at the same time, uh, these last few weeks, normal NXT without Vinny. Hey, hey, hey. it's me and the fiance, Rhiannon. We're uh, here back again this week to recap this episode of NXT. So without any further ado, Rhiannon, take it away. Okay, well, uh, this is the uh, first uh, episode after TakeOver. War Games? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, so um, I, I don't know about you, but uh, this is probably uh, the my least favorite NXT that I've watched in a long time. But we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so first up, we've got uh, Finn Balor cutting a mint promo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. welcome back after having a broken jaw and drinking through a straw still looks amazing my god i don't know how he does it um but we, what we've got finn balor and he's you know cutting a promo and all of a sudden and none other than pete dunn comes out yeah pretty much telling him uh i'm coming for you mm-hmm. yeah um uh and then uh we've got kyle o'reilly coming out yeah shock the system a little bit yep still gotta work on those uh you know you know 
promos. Cut, cut and promos. We skills. got we got progressively worse. We did, yeah. but I will say Damian Priest, you know, brought it back up a little bit. Yep. Well, I just don't get to hear him talk that much, but you know, this episode he did have uh, a few moments where he got to like cut little promos here and there, and I was really excited about it. I really want him to talk more. I want him to have more opportunity. Um, I would say maybe Pete Dunn, I love you, but maybe just don't talk more. Go back to the gym. Yeah, we can have Pet McAfee talk for Pete Dunn. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. definitely he definitely uh, might need a manager for the time being. But um, pretty excited. Oh, so I'm I'm assuming we're gonna get a, you know, three way contender match to figure out who's gonna go. I don't uh, take on Finn Balor. I don't know what that was because as we see later in the episode, many of the men in that match immediately get pulled into either a new feud or older feuds. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, we basically pretty much the number one contender is going to be whoever is left over from those feuds. Because I mean, we'll get into it later because, you know, they sort of build themselves up. But um, I'm slightly confused even after the episode aired because, like, like I said, we got to figure out where everybody goes. Yeah, it was almost like a, hey, welcome back, Finn Balor. Also, can you plug uh, New Year's Evil for us? Yeah, hey, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on. All right. <laughs> so... Then we go to Jake Atlas uh, against Isaiah Swerve Scott. Isaiah Swerve Scott, yeah. Yeah, I was excited to see uh, Isaiah back. I still uh, don't care too much about Jake Atlas. I know he's gotten better. Um, To me, I understood why they put uh, Swerve Scott against Jake Atlas because Swerve sells so well, and he's a really great wrestler. Um, But it almost was... Uh, almost like something that they probably shouldn't have done. Like, yes, they wanted to show that Jake Atlas is progressing and they wanted someone that could help like highlight how much he's progressed and really help him put on a great match. But to me, uh, how good Swerve was almost kind of highlighted the gaps and the inabilities uh, a little more for Jake Atlas. I mean, I absolutely could see that because Isaiah Swerve Scott, he's been off of NXT TV for months um, most of his time now is spent on 205 Live. Um, and that's totally fine because apparently he's doing he's doing okay over there on 205 Live. So him coming over to NXT was kind of like, we remember what he did so that kind of like can raise his stature a little, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Jake Atlas beat him clean. So, but I definitely know what you mean. Isaiah Swerve Scott just has had more time to just improve Jake Atlas, they kind of pushed him pretty quick. But um, he does look good for where he's at, I will yeah, say. Yeah, I will say you could definitely tell, and they even mentioned it, that like if this would have been a match that was a couple weeks ago, Jake Atlas would have lost like within the first like couple minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I definitely... They're really putting him over on commentary. Yeah, yeah, I see what they're doing, and like it's good that they're pushing him, you know? And, and for me, like this was more of like a yay, I got to see Swerve Scott come back because when he was in NXT a lot, I don't think he got his due with a storyline that like anybody actually cared about, which was unfortunate. Um, when he first showed up, I wasn't too sure about him, but he really proved to be like a really good wrestler that I liked to watch. Oh, yeah. But I just never had a storyline that really made me get behind him and really care about him. Um, so that's unfortunate. So it was good to see him come back. And, you know, it is good to see Jake uh, getting pushed a little bit. Um, yeah, he, but, pay, he definitely picks up the win here. Yeah. Clean, too. Yeah. Um, 
Then we move on to the uh, Grizzled Young Veterans uh, versus Everrise, who I believe, please, please, NXT, give them a rebrand. Give them a rename. No, we'll talk about that. Um, uh, against a triple threat match with Imperium. Uh, this match legitimately uh, was probably the most exciting match up until this point. Yes. Uh, like 100%. when this, like when this match started, uh, and, and then even as it ended, you're like, okay, clearly so far that's the best match of the night. Um, but this was good tag team, like just good tag team TV wrestling. Um, Grizzled Young Veterans and Imperium, they're both uh, staples over on NXT UK. I don't know, um, as you said when we were watching, Yeah, I don't know if they're just trying to like bring the NXT UK in our households just like for a match. But, um... Yeah, I think maybe NXT UK, you know, maybe they were suffering a little bit, you know, with the coronavirus and COVID. Maybe they're having some problems and just want to get more viewers and things like that. I don't know. I mean, we talked about it from time to time. They do bring um, people from UK over to kind of, like, promote both brands and get some crossover. I do feel like right now there's a whole lot of uh, UK NXT in the North American NXT. Not that I'm complaining. I mean, I I very much like Grizzled Young Veterans and Imperium. I I did almost feel bad for Everrise, like, oh, man, they were the throwaway. And, yes, we did think that they were going to take the pin, which they did. Which they did. But, I mean, they weren't just, like, a a filler. Like, they Mm -hmm. actually were able to hold their own pretty well, and they did make Imperium and Grizzled Young Veterans look good. So I I think this was good for them. I just... Me personally, I hate their name, and I wish they would get a rebrand. But I, I think they're completely enhancement. Um, every ma- every week they go out there, their match either gets interrupted, or they lose, or it gets interrupted and they still lose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're 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 not winning anything. They're there. I feel like just to make everyone else look good, and they really freaking did because uh, just the classic like chicken shit heel. To make everyone else look good, that is ever rise. But anyway, we move on. Yeah. So, the next one. Tommaso Ciampa and Cameron Grimes. As soon, as soon as I heard Tommaso Ciampa call out Cameron Grimes. His little promo, yeah. I screamed. I was so excited. I love Tommaso Ciampa. I love Cameron Grimes. I am pumped yeah. i told you this is what i've always wanted i didn't know i wanted this but now that it's here this is what i want i want tomaso champa i want cameron grimes they're two of my favorite people i think they're both amazing they're so talented they could have like like i truly believe that that feud could be like to early tomaso champa gargano like level quality there oh like the actual wrestling quality oh yes. yeah 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 yeah. yeah. yes like that could be an epic storyline an epic feud one that i can get behind like i said tomaso champa i didn't really care about the last storyline with uh you know whatever his name is I thatcher even, thatcher yeah. oh yeah 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 yeah. i don't like him he's yeah. he's uh out in my book and uh, then th- uh, yeah no one likes him in this podcast no it's, nobody it's it's, yep. it's, it's 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 terrible i i can't get behind it i mean sure you could be a great wrestler but i i hate your gimmick and uh, uh oh why am i blanking what's what? cameron grimes can't cameron again who's he go again Trumpa. no 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 beforehand dexter loomis yes 
Sorry, I yes. can never Dexter remember Lewis. his name, yeah. quite frankly, because I just don't care about yeah, him. Yeah, I know. He's you're, very forgettable. You're, he's the stare guy. You're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's the stare guy. I know. So I, I felt like with this, we've moved on from the the feuds that no one cared about, but enough to like make them relevant and bring them up. And now this is the culmination of everything that we've been waiting mm-hmm. for. And I will say, to be a little critical... Um, you know, the, the match did have some hiccups and it, it didn't go as smooth as I thought it would with these two, but you know, this is their like first real match together. So, you know, I, I, I gave it some grace. Well, and, and though, sadly, it probably doesn't even matter that they were a little sloppy because this is probably the last time they're going to actually wrestle because the whole point. Yeah. Of course, was the thing that pissed you off, but the angle of this match is what is what actually... I've, I have never, in a span of probably, what, 10 minutes, yep. been so exhilarated... For some wrestling. And, and so let down. Yeah. I think the last time I legitimately felt like that was when we went to the... Uh, the go what was it was it the go home show to oh to Wrestle, raw to yeah raw? yeah the and, go home show to wrestlemania we thought that we were going to get the undertaker i thought i was legitimately going to get to see the undertaker okay. that whole auditorium thought yeah, we were going to yeah. get the undertaker and we got robbed oh yeah okay i feel like highway robbery yeah i feel like someone shit in my wheaties so hard and then shit in them again and threw them in my face i was so sad about this so if you haven't realized, uh, Cameron Grimes loses to Tommaso Ciampa um, after... So, okay, to bring it back, I apologize. I'm on my soapbox. I don't know, it's step, okay. Let me yeah. step back. Yeah, yeah. So, as soon as this match begins, Timothy Thatcher comes out and sits and stares down. And he did that. Well, he did that because Ciampa did the exact same thing to him yes. two weeks ago. But... In my opinion, it should have been because he wanted to learn and watch this clinic that w- that was about to be put on. That's the yeah. only reason, in my mind, he should have been he out, should there. out there watching. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this happens. Um, what's his name? Something Rust. I don't even know. His Tyler. Name. Uh, Tyler Rust. Tyler Rust. Yeah. He comes out, kind of does some things, causes some distractions. We think, oh boy. Cameron, this is how Cameron Grimes wins. Yeah, picks it up dirty. But... Picks it up dirty, but he's going to win. And no, Tommaso Ciampa lands uh, his finisher and buries Cameron Grimes. Oh, yeah. I uh, So very hard. Yeah. They, uh, in in one fell swoop, in one match, um, they have buried Cameron Grimes to, like, less than Dexter Loomis oh, level yeah. of people caring because... He literally just lost after a like a full fledged distraction. Champa going out of the ring, fighting him off, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then going back into the ring, taking a an almost finisher, and then and then winning. Like yep. like that is awful. Yep, they buried him really hard. And then on top of that, then Tommaso goes and antagonizes Timothy Thatcher. He walks away. And then Cameron Grimes decides, nope, I'm going to go after you, Timothy Thatcher. And Timothy Thatcher literally puts him on the ground in one fell swoop as well. Further burying Cameron Grimes into the ground. I cannot believe that they did this. I know. I would love 
to burn NXT to the ground. Oh my goodness. Right now. That that's harsh. No, but... it's not. I'm so upset right now. So upset. Please do the next one. I can't. I need a moment. <laughs> well, um after that, uh the Garganos and the Gargano way, they all come out to the ring, uh Johnny Candice Austin Theory and uh you know my theory about Austin Theory turned out to be right. Ugh. Um predicted uh, on the show the last time uh that that we were on. Sadly, I don't have any massive uh predictions that are going to pay off a cycle later, you know. I don't have any of those in this episode because we didn't we didn't get any real uh storylines or surprises like that yet. But uh either way, uh as far as I'm concerned, Johnny cuts a mean nothing comedic promo it was awful yo it wasn't good it was Um, awful yeah i i i i do not like this faction thing that they're doing i hate gargano as a heel i i tolerated him and i thought he was good as a face i don't usually like faces so it's not like i was on the gargano train but i could actually get behind what he was saying with this it feels so forced he feels like a scuffed pat mcafee like it, that you you say that and that that is exactly whoever who whatever producer or creative in the back they told Johnny hey go out and try to sound like Pat because everything even up to like randomly someone in the audience would be like you suck Johnny would be like no you suck you know what I mean yeah but the thing is Gargano can't pull that off like McAfee could have pulled that no off. absolutely not he does not have the 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 wherewithal to be a good heel and Candace my god please please stop just putting a rocket on her and like trying to force her down her throat what? I can't I don't know I can't do it she's not good like I, I was kind of excited when they turned her to a heel. I thought maybe she'd be better, but it just made it worse. It made it so much worse. And I and I gotta say, I don't dig on the um, Austin Theory and uh, Indy Hartwell and Indy Hartwell being like the dumb comedic relief. No, me neither. Duo. I, th- I, I, I think, think it's stupid. I think that's stupid. I think it does them no favors no, whatsoever. It's, uh, it's and, just insulting their intelligence. Yes, and they've that's literally stupid. attached them to this. Uh, shit train of uh of a joke that i think that the gargano and uh candace LeRae heel uh storyline is going down well candace LeRae heel you know what it's turned into it's turned into roman reign like old school roman reigns not current where he's currently the smackdown champion or whatever it's called universal or whatever it is anyway um but he she is suffering from older roman reigns where they force they force her down our throat, or like they forced him down our throat, mm-hmm. and then he he or her can't win anything. Yep, like they she's literally on our TV every single week in you know ad nauseum, but then when you get to the big show, you can't actually finish. It was it, it, it was Roman Reigns for years. Yeah, and I'm getting that way. I'm really getting that way with Candice LeRae. I. I, I it's fine to take to take a week or two off. It really is. I don't need to see her every single week. Well, yeah, and I, and don't get me wrong. I think Gargano and I think Candice are good wrestlers. Yes, right? oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. think they're great. I don't find them to be the most entertaining. I did when Gargano was having his feud with Ciampa, like the first one. I really loved that. Mm-hmm. I thought they were great together. Um, and but I just don't get into it. Um, I think they're good, but they're like, to me at this point, it's nothing spectacular that, you know, I want to get pumped up to watch or to listen to or get behind. But at the end of this promo, 
like basically Gargano is, you know, more or less like any, you know, whoever got anything to say, come on out. So Damian Priest comes out. Mm-hmm. He cuts another little promo, like, "Hey, uh, let's do this." You know what I mean? Oh, it was a great, it was a great little promo. Yeah, it really made quick, me, quick, yes. short, to the point. Yes, it was the highlight of all of this because he's the only one that was believable and was actually like pretty good. And mind you, he talked for like less than thirty seconds. Oh, uh, way less because <laughs> because before he could talk for thirty seconds, Carrying Cross comes. And um, legitimately beats the crap out of out of out of Damian Priest. Yep, beats the crap out of him. Uh, finishing with uh, a power bomb being thrown off the stage into like the side stage into some tables. Um, just you know, absolutely kicks the crap out of him. And I, I don't remember if it was on commentary or if you can overhear Karrion Cross say something because remember early on in the night. Um, he told Scarlett, have, you, ha- have your man come at me, like, square, come at me to my face, and we oh, can yeah. have a fight. Oh, well, yeah, he, well, he, he asked her if, uh, you know, do you leave the man in the car, and he come and he sends you to come do his bidding, because yeah. she did come out at the end of the whole Finn Balor promo thing yeah, to it, kind of, like, say, hey, she didn't say anything, but to be like, oh, by the way, uh, my boo is back, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't care. Because I don't, yeah. I don't care about carrying cross. Well, they they strapped a rocket way too fast to him, and, and it was during not a great time of NXT. Uh, it his kind of a it has a has an asterisk on it anyway. But but either way, what I was gonna say is I think it's absolutely stupid. Um, you still carrying cross didn't come at him like you know like a man. You did you didn't come at him square. You literally cheap shotted him on the way to the ring to do something else. And then you kick the crap out of him. So as far as Damian Priest is concerned, you still haven't stepped up to him square. Like come at him like a man. You're just you're you've you've literally you either send your wife in or you have to sucker punch me to win. So like it's carrying cross, just crappy heel, man. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. But he is back. Um, some people might be excited about that, but not this crew. No, I'm not. Um, but then things start to take a turn. A surprising turn, yeah. and to me, the two uh, best uh, matches of the night. Clear, 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 hundred percent. Like so next we have Pete Dunne uh, going against Killian Dane in the revenge match. Mm-hmm. Um, do you uh, do you remember uh, do you remember why Killian Dane is getting revenge? Remember what? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Pete Dunne beat the crap out of him with a door. Yeah, the yeah, door. Smashed his face. Oh yeah, with a door. Yeah. Blood everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It's it's pretty mean. It's pretty yeah. brutal. And even Pat McAfee was like, "Damn, son." Oh no! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! What did Pat say? Was it? Wasn't he? God, I'm having a. It was funny. Yes. Yes. Something along the lines of like uh, a little aggressive. Oh, that, uh, that's what he says. He a little like, aggressive. We'll talk about it. Yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like but it. I we'll like talk. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. <laughs> but uh, so in this match. Uh, I will say, so all the matches of the night, no matter what, pretty much had some hiccups. You could tell, yeah, like, yeah. they were coming off of war games. Nobody was at 100%. Uh, yeah, everybody's beat up and Yeah, bruised. everybody's beat to shit. But uh, Pete Dunne and Killian Dane were like, we're good. We will show you how it's done and why we're, like, you know, really good. And this really made me get behind Killian Dane more. Yeah. I, I can honestly say, like, I haven't seen him wrestle in a while. But before... When he would wrestle, it just seemed very laborious, right? Like yeah. he would, he was like, could do some moves. He was 
Generic big guy. Yes, generic big guy. I'm going to use my weight. To me, uh, it's the Brock Lesnar theory of when Brock Lesnar was in like UFC. And the only thing he would do is say, I'm bigger than you. I'm going to beach whale on top of you and use my weight as my advantage because I have no skill otherwise. And that is how I felt about Killian Dane. I will bowling ball into you. I'll flop on you and there's nothing you can do about it. But he's trimmed up. He's hit the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, like, I really feel like they're starting to push him as, like, the strong, semi-agile big guy. Like, they don't just make him look like I use my weight against you. They make him look like I'm a smart fighter and I'm strong. Like, right. And, and to put Pete Dunne in here with him was so good because Pete Dunne sells like a mother. Mm-hmm. He is so good. And he also has trimmed up and he looks amazing, except we really need to back off. Um, on the orange. On the, on the orange. Oh, he yeah. Is, he is a very orange individual. Like, he is getting to Oompa Loompa status. It's pretty bad. <laughs> but this match was great. I, I really, really enjoy this match. And I like the fact that um, at some point, um, Drake Maverick does come out. And oh, well, yeah. I mean, you had to expect it was going to happen. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, we knew it was going to happen. But I, I loved the way that they did it. And they really, like, pushed them more of, like... Mm-hmm. They, they really have, like, a good chemistry for their tag team. They do. And uh, Vinny, Vinny understands it a, a little better than me because, as Vinny describes it, what Killian Dane has with Drake Maverick is, like, an older brother, young, younger brother dichotomy. Yeah, I can see that. Because uh, Killian Dane can beat the crap out of Drake Maverick all day. That's totally fine. But don't you hit him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. It, yeah, and, and that's, that's how he's taken this. And it's taken me a few weeks to get on board, but with this match, which the obvious uh, including of the current NXT Tag Team Champions, uh, Lorcan and Birch, right? Uh, I believe the next path for these guys is at least a match for the NXT Tag Team titles. Uh, I don't know... And um, Rhiannon doesn't normally do this, but uh, when we were watching, you made a pretty bold prediction about the status of those t- tag team titles. Yeah, bold prediction, although I did realize we're coming up on it pretty quickly for the next uh, for the NXT uh, uh, New Year's Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have much time, so I could be wrong. But my bold prediction is uh, they don't hold those uh, tag team titles till the next uh, takeover. So you're so before takeover, yeah. we have new tag team champions. Oh yeah, the thing is how like War Games is over. Pat McAfee's not gonna really be like have to be in the picture too much, and that kind of is disbanded to a certain degree. To a point. To a point. Um, clearly not completely as they show up for I, uh, Pete Dunne today. But I literally think it was just used for the angle. Oh, I agree. I don't. I, I don't think they're going to keep them. No. Like, no nobody, no matter what you did with that War Games thing, nobody cared, to in my mind, about Oni Lorcan and uh We all cared about Pat McAfee. Exactly. The, but, and Pete Dunne. But like, with Pat McAfee gone, yeah. they go right back to where they were before him. And Pete Dunne does not want to be strapped to those two. Uh-uh. No. So, um, yeah, that's my bold prediction. They're going to lose it before the next takeover. But um, but even after that, uh, well, I should say after that, we get a nice, a nice little um, promo here um, from Io Shirai. Oh, I'm sorry, not Io Shirai. Tony Storm. Oh yeah. Uh, Tony Storm cuts a little promo saying uh, at some point she wants to have a shot at the title with Io Shirai. Io Shirai shows up, 
and uh, then they just proceed to fight all over the arena, fight all into the ring. They may as well have had a match, except all it was was Io Shirai kicking the crap out of Tony Storm. Yeah. Tony Storm tries to run. Ember Moon throws her back in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She lands the somersault, and Io Shirai, she's, bless her little heart, she even lifts the leg up. I did. I, like, I noticed like she was that. Going she, was for like, a pin. she was like, I'm going for a pin. Oh, oh this isn't a real match. This <laughs> is, yeah, this is not a real yeah. match. Um, but that is going to play into how our main event of the evening ends yes, or the the conclusion of it. Yeah, I, I, I loved this match. Uh, like I said, these two matches, the last two, were the cleanest and the most exciting. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, it's uh, the, the main event of the evening is Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon. Yes, I, I, I think it was great. I love Raquel Gonzalez. I've loved her since... Um, we watched her in the Mae Young Classic. Uh, granted, I'm not super stoked about the direction they've taken her, but, you know, I, I, I'm okay with it. Spanish like, Cowgirl was a... As long as it wasn't taken too far, um, I think the gimmick would have worked just like it worked in the Mae Young Classic. It was like it was like halfway Spanish Cowgirl. You know what I mean? She yeah. came out with the chaps and she had the bull rope, um, but it, it wasn't... It wasn't all the way, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just feel like what they've done with her now is not doing her too many favors. It's not. But, needless to say, I really enjoyed how they set this match up. Ember Moon, though, she is a very thick woman. Mm-hmm. And I've realized in us talking about Tony Storm's butt, we have neglected other butts on this on this show. I yeah. Mean, there's a lot of flat butts in here, but... I think we can all agree that one Tony Storm, that thing's out of control. Yep. We've also come to uh, an agreement that Scarlet's butt also out of control, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. That thing pops. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can throw a dime at it and it'll pop change back at you. Yeah. Okay. And then how could we forget Ember Moon? I mean Ember Moon, and and she does a lot of moves where she's got that ass in the air. I mean she's showing it off. She knows what she's got. But it's. She shows it off far less than Tony Storm and well, well, oh, I, I disagree. I, I shouldn't say Scarlet tonight. Uh, that that was like that was like Scarlet's main feature tonight. That's, it was that's, just that's true. It was that's all true. butt tonight. I just want to give props, you know, because yeah, props I, to the butts of I, NXT. I appreciate the good butts of NXT. I'm a little jealous. However, <laughs> so I, what I liked about this is Ember Moon's not a a very like tall you know, domineering woman, right? Raquel Gonzalez is even taller than, um... Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley. Yeah. Jesus, my brain today. No, it's okay. But even taller than Rhea Ripley. And I hate when they do things that are unrealistic where they have a very small little person, like, win and, and make it look like they did it, like... Not a, not clean, but like they make it look like the little person's like just as strong and like Vinny. would have just as much of a like a like a uh, like no disadvantage, right, mm-hmm. against them. But in this, you clearly see Ember Moon. We counted five times in this match. Five times tries to do her aerial stunts, and Raquel Gonzalez literally is like, no. Either uh, catched her. Uh, I was catch catched her. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he, uh, caught her, kicked her. Uh, like you know, 
the cradle catch, the over the shoulder catch. Yeah. Uh, she she basically just plucked her out of the sky all match. Oh yeah, asserted her dominance and just put her on the ground like it was nothing, which I thought was great because it really made Ember Moon have to get ingenuitous mm-hmm. and really try to figure out how she was going to take on this in- domineering like mountain of a woman, which is what would happen in real life. Oh yeah, yeah no in real in real life there you know. I mean, and Vinny always makes good points of this. Wrestling's not real life, but uh, Vinny has said, him and I have discussed, uh, when you have matches with Casey Cantanzaro, Casey, uh, Casey Cantanzaro, she's 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 fine in NXT, she's learning, mm-hmm. but literally soaking wet, she's like 90 pounds. Yeah. Uh, it is, you completely and utterly take me out of any any kind of continuity or just uh, a kayfabe when Casey Cantanzaro wins matches. Well, and it's not just that. It's not when she wins matches. It's when she, uh, if I remember correctly, she had a match with Raquel Gonzalez where she hurricane ronaed Oh yeah, Raquel oh, Gonzalez, right. and I'm like, I get out of here. That yeah. would never happen. No. That was total bullshit. So I so appreciated when Ember Moon was like, oh. I'm going to get on these ropes and jump at you. Raquel Gonzalez was like, no, you're not, bitch. Get on the ground and just, mm-hmm. like, slammed her. And you could tell Ember Moon was like, oh, okay, this isn't going to work. Now, granted, she didn't learn throughout the match. She kept doing she it. kept doing it. But you did see her, like, start to kind of, like, it did get her cogs turning as to, like, okay, these are my normal tricks and they're not going to work. She, uh... As uh, as the old, old Jr. most announcers would say, she she went to the well a few too many times. She sure did with that stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, right right near the end of the match, uh, Ember Moon one of her one of the attempts that en- en- ended up finish her off. She goes for the eclipse off the oh, top rope, and her. she does get about I would say fifty five percent of the move done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, off the top rope into the flip. Raquel literally, uh, Raquel Gonzalez just caught her, like, as she is, uh, like, going over her shoulder. Just caught her there and slammed her into the ground. Yep. Um, but it's, it, that, that was the end. So, Raquel Gonzalez using the one-armed powerbomb. Um, apparently people on the internet are calling her, uh, Big, Big Mommy Cool. Oh, I love for it. For Big Daddy Diesel. <laughs> um, Big Mommy Cool. Um, but, uh, she, she picks up the win here, clean, mm-hmm. and, uh, Tony Storm comes out, cause, mm-hmm. uh, appropriately, to kick the ever-loving crap out of Ember Moon for throwing her back in the ring, well, all of a sudden, Rhea Ripley's music hits. Oh, yeah, scared the crap out of her. Well, to, to, to be fair, it did literally, it, it came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, and she does not have easy music. No. It's screamo. And, uh... We pretty much end NXT with um, Raquel Gonzalez and uh, Rhea Ripley standing in the ring facing off. Rain, uh, Raquel Gonzalez leaves, and as she's as she's walking away, pretty much we're left with um, Rhea Ripley just in the ring. And Vinny and I have talked about this just to close out this show. Um, what is left for Rhea Ripley here? What's left? Yeah, I I, I don't know. <sighs> I, I don't want to see her go because I do enjoy her, but I, I, I feel like I haven't been behind Rhea Ripley and excited about her in quite some time. Uh, it's not that I'm not excited for Rhea Ripley. 
there's just nothing left. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the, I haven't had a storyline that I'm like, heck yeah, Rhea Ripley. Yeah. Like, let's do this. I'm kind of like, well, I've I've seen you do everything. I'm 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 mildly getting that way with Io Shirai as well. Her, like, uh, Io Shirai's reign is starting to get stale. Yep. Um, but with uh, starting the feud with Tony Storm, there there are women on the roster that Io Shirai hasn't beat. <laughs> you know, there, there aren't many of them. Uh, there aren't many of them who have lo- who you know have even a had a match with her. But if she has, Io Shirai's won every single time. So her reign is getting stale. We need to get different women in here to 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 get that belt off of her. The same thing goes with the tag belts as we discussed earlier and uh, North American title. I don't know if it'll sit on Johnny very long, but a lot of weird feuds and storylines sort of started on this. Uh, post war game show yeah yeah uh one thing we did forget is they did show um Zia Lee. oh yeah and boa oh, yeah yeah Zia Lee and boa so we did get a little more of that uh super dark uh macabre training session yeah uh on reddit apparently they were describing that as uh they were like oh hey uh when did nxt turn into lucha underground yeah like that i mean like and I'm sure Vinny would agree, that was a very Lucha storyline promo. Like, yeah. blood and kendo sticks and just, like, bloody Kendo ankles. sticks to the throat. Right. Just, that was a dark promo. Yeah, yeah. I'm not knocking it. I mean, I like it. I miss Lucha. I mean, I, I used to like Lucha. I mean, yeah. sometimes they took it a little too far with the cutting and stuff like that. They, I'm they not took down it, for the cutting. But, but you like the full-on uh, guys-girl guys matches. Yes. Yeah. Yes. NXT, if you're listening, please... Allow co-ed wrestling. That will never happen on WWE programming. Will never happen. You're going to have to watch indie stuff if you want that. Just do it. Yeah. (laughs) But but that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up uh, another John and Rhiannon hosted NXT. Um, I know Vinny's not here, but I know Vinny would say, Rhiannon, thank you so much for coming back on. And uh, we'll be glad to have you back if Vinny ever has prior engagements, Christmas parties and stuff. Yeah, no, this was fun. I mean, I feel bad. We always do it kind of quick, and this one was a little over the place. Uh, Forgive me. It's been a little bit since I've sat down and watched NXT. Um, Unfortunately, like, you know... 80% 80% of this one I wasn't really on board with. Um, a, it wasn't a great episode of NXT, well, but they, I'm sure it was better than AEW. They tore my heart out and they smashed it on the ground and yep. they've kind of taken the wind out of my sails quite a bit with the uh, Cameron Grimes and Tommaso Ciampa stuff, but they did close it out very well and I do love Pete Dunne and um, so I am happy that they're, they're giving him the push he deserves for sure. Yeah. But... Uh, I don't actually know, ladies and gentlemen, if this does wrap up the Boochcast for the week. Uh, most of the time, when Vinny and I finish, it does. Um, but I'll do, uh, I'll do, I guess I'll just start it here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, on all, on all social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, what else Facebook. is there? Facebook. Uh, YouTube. YouTube. Twitch. Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. Uh, we definitely, uh, are already up on, on there, the archive from the Survivor Series watch party, filmed at my house, it was fun stuff, but, uh, I don't know if Vinny's gonna put anything else here, but that, ladies and gentlemen, will be NXT for the week. We also don't want to forget about Patreon. As Vinny would say, we have great, great rewards for, for great, great patrons. That's right. Right. And, uh, we can't forget, you know, we gotta do our typical outage of, uh... Pizza, baby!
Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs> <laughs> 